Well, what do we got over here? Bada boom, realest guy in the room. How you doing? How you doing? And you guys want to hear Bada Boom, the realest podcast in the room? How you doing? It's below the belt. Just like I won my first championship. A straight kick to the nuts. How you doing? How you doing? And I have to say, Enzo Amore is a certified G and a bona fide stud. Can't be taught. Can't be taught. But one thing thing that you can learn is a thing or two about the biz by listening to this guy on his podcast. How you doing? How you doing? And if you don't, there's only one word to describe you. And we're going to spell it out for you. S-A-W-F-T. How you doing? The Below the Belt Show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Oh, I got a live one here. start by introducing back on btb airwaves it's been a minute guys but nonetheless we are happy to have back on btb one of the ogs of btb since btb 1.0 this is btb 3.0 the virtual edition he is the one and only chunk shady aka sean cradle actually no the opposite sean cradle aka chunk shady (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. What's going on, everybody? Good to have this you back 3. on BTB. It's been a minute, man. Yeah, this is 3.0, really? 3.0 is the virtual edition. Yeah. Crazy, right? 2.0 okay. being WMC. Yeah. There's only been <laughs> ah, okay. venues for Below the Belt show in our, my God, how many years? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't like even forever. want to. <laughs> forever, right. Uh, we had to, of course, bring back. Um, the one and only he's a sith lord <laughs> he's also he's also six foot seven and you can't teach that he's the one and only <laughs> darth paul wallace darth wallace good to have you back on b2b nice to be here good to have you man nice being here yeah you're well guys we got an incredible show from top to bottom guys let's start off by announcing who our special guest will be tonight from The Walking Dead Season 11, we have Teo Rap Olsen, who plays Sebastian. He's the spoiled rich kid that you love to hate <laughs> on The Walking Dead. And we can't <laughs> wait to talk about episode 16, the part two finale, um, which, Sean, I don't know if you saw, but we'll try not to get too spoilery, but we do want to talk a little bit about it. It was a heck of an episode. Um and we are so happy to have Sebastian uh, on Below the Belt Show. 
Um, and I have to announce. Oh, I can't wait. I know it's gonna be great. And I gotta announce that I am uh, <laughs> fresh back from Dallas, Texas, as you know, uh, from the previous uh, BTB from last week. I announced that I'll be attending WrestleMania. Um, I had a lot of fun, but as usual, per usual, we always save wrestling, WWE, AEW, all that good stuff for the end of the program. But uh, let's go ahead and start out and talk about some stuff going on in the world of entertainment. Uh, So here's some Hollywood news. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. Yeah, always. That's Benji and Joel. They're for Maryland's own, man. It's uh, (laughs) good stuff. All right, guys. Good Charlotte. Yes. So at the top of the box office, it's Morbius. Can you believe it? Um, Despite eh, lackluster reviews, um, 39 million over the weekend. And, uh, um, you know, it pretty much does uh, what any superhero movie would do in opening weekend, and it crushed the box office, despite, again, despite the view, uh, reviews of it. But uh, Jared Leto um, stars, and it's interesting, uh, he hasn't had much luck in the superhero genre. So um, on Rotten Tomatoes, um, Morbius got a 17%. Um, so it's not... It's pretty bad, um, considering. And, um, yeah, I, considering that it got a, you know, 70% of Rotten Tomatoes, it still did well at the box office. But, um, you know, that's a thing. In, Wait, I no, know. I was going to say, what, it made, uh, what, like $39 million this weekend? $39 million mm-hmm. over the weekend, despite getting, again, 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you compare it to previous Spidey World spinoffs, like Venom debuted to 80.3 million in 2018, um, Let There Be Carnage, uh, the Venom sequel, um, raked in 90 million. So um, definitely not, you know, as good as, as its counterparts uh, in the Spideyverse, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we'll get back to Morbius in a minute. But number two, the runner-up is Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum uh, for The Lost City. I've heard great things about this uh, rom-com adventure of sorts. Um, third place, The Batman. Um, uh, raked in um, $361.5 million internationally to, uh, to date, which is pretty amazing. Um, uh, and in fourth place was Uncharted with Tom Holland and rounding up the top five Jujutsu Kaisen the anime movie uh, rolls up the the top five so um, you know uh, Daniel Espinosa the director of Morbius uh, still remains proud of his comic book um, tentpole Uh, he still remains proud of his comic book adaptation of Morbius despite its abysmal reviews from um, critics. Did you see it yet, Al? Um, I was in Dallas, Texas, so... I was not able to see it, but Paul, were you able to see it? I heard about it. I didn't see it yet either. I'm going to probably see it this week. Okay. 
Well, the, the thing about Morbius, guys, is that uh, Jared, that I, he can't catch a break. So Suicide Squad, very lackluster film. Um, the original one, that is. Uh, people were criticizing his portrayal of Joker. And now um, the Morbius character, I mean, it just wasn't a very uh, well-reviewed film. But interestingly enough, Jared Leto did something really interesting with his character. Um, he uh, used method acting. And for the actors on the panel, you guys know what method acting is, right? You're, you stay in character after the cameras stop rolling. You're b- pretty much living that character. He's not so drinking one, blood, is he? <laughs> yeah, I know. Sort of like that, right? But <laughs> one thing that he did do was use a wheelchair to go to the bathroom. So this is very really? similar. Yeah. Yeah, similar to the character in the movie. So Leto used crutches uh, on set to maintain uh, his character's physicality. Um, but, you know, using a wheelchair during bathroom breaks uh, it caused the production to, to go a little longer, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's strange. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. initially he was using crutches, which is really, really slow, supposedly. Yeah. So they then decided to do the wheelchair, but I mean, that's just like, you know, the production minutes are, are rolling and it's just for your, I get it. You're, you're an actor. You want to um, be the best you can be and, and do method. But sometimes at the, at the production, it's not as bad as Shiloh. I mean, Shiloh used crack on set because I mean, you're playing crack on Oh my so it's like, God. At least that's better than that. Wow. <laughs> you didn't hear about that? Crack no. cocaine? Yes. Please elaborate. There was a movie that Shia was filming, and he was playing a drug addict, and he actually used crack cocaine on set just to make it real. That is unfucking believable Why, like, the union would endorse such behavior? I don't think the union would. I think he just did it. That is beyond me. Yeah. I, I, I'm shocked to hear that. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> um, anyways, um, there was an end credit scene in Morbius. Um, well, um, the first scene happens right after the title card for the movie. We see the sky, we see the sky cracking, um, Mm. with the whole multiverse, like the Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, when the multiverse starts intruding our world. And apparently we see Adrian Toomes, AKA the Vulture, played by Michael Keaton from the Tom Holland, uh, Spider-Man universe. Um, and he's been zapped into the Spider-Verse, um, which is, you know, the whole thing that happened on Spider-Man No Way Home. As you know, Venom stayed in the Spider-Verse. Tom Holland stayed in MCU. Michael Keaton apparently is now a part of the Spider-Verse uh, and his character of the Vulture. So I know it gets a little confusing, guys, with these multiverses, but... Um, yes. But... <laughs> No, no, uh, I mean, do you think there's going to be a second uh, Mysterio to do the Sinister, Sinister Six because he's dead in the Spider-Man universe? I mean... Oh, man. I I don't know, man. Um, well, you also need a Doc Ock, too, don't you? Yeah, you need the Doc Ock. And, uh, well, the Doc Ock, obviously, is part of Spideyverse. And who else is in the Sinister Six? Or who are you alluding to in Sinister Six, first of all? Well, I mean, it was it's... Six of uh, Spider-Man's biggest villains all got together and film, formed one big group called the mm-hmm. Sinister Six. And um, it usually consists of Vulture, uh, Doc Ock, uh, mm-hmm. let's see, uh, Mysterio, 
of course, uh, Green Goblin and either Craven or. Uh, yep. And I think. Or maybe Lizard. I think all those names, with the exception of Mysterio, um, is considered um, Spider Verse. So there's not going to be any. You know, back and forth. Um, Mysterio obviously showed up in the Spider-Man movie. That's um, what I'm saying. They could do a second, a different guy as Mysterio. Yeah. So that's probably the only one, I think. But then, then again, Mysterio died, didn't he? Well, he died in the Spider-Verse, but right. he died in that universe. You know what I mean? So there could that guy could still be alive in that okay. universe. Okay. So the other universe is Spider-Verse of Mysterio, correct. Okay. See, this is where it's getting confusing. <laughs> I can't keep up with it, man. It's crazy. All right. Well, uh, one thing that's really exciting, guys, is, um, well, we saw uh, a new trailer, a new teaser trailer of Doctor Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness. This is number two on my list. Of course, number one was Morbius. And um, they had an Everly Brothers version of All I Have to Do is Dream as the soundtrack for it. And one thing that's really, or a few things that's actually were really cool. Uh, first of all, Doctor Strange is seen with some kind of futuristic shackles around his wrists. Oh, uh, secondly, we see Rachel McAdams in her wedding dress. So, looks like we're going to see the wedding of Doctor Strange. How cool is that? Oh, that is pretty cool. And we also saw Wanda, Elizabeth Olsen, reconnecting with her children from WandaVision. And we saw the return of her Eastern European accent. Was it Slovakian or was it Russian? I'm not sure. Um... Yeah, Slovakian, I believe. Um, <laughs> but we hadn't seen that accent in a while. She just kind of naturally lost the accent from living in America for so long. But uh, mm-hmm. they probably have to have some explanation as to why her accent returned. So hopefully we'll get some answers. All right, number three on my list is Fantastic Beasts, and it's 59%, right, on Rotten Tomatoes. Every critic agrees that Mads Mikkelsen is a vast improvement over Johnny Depp as uh, Grindenwald. Interesting, man. He's, he's probably more sober than Johnny Depp because Johnny Depp drinks so much wine. It's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not only the, the, that, that aspect, but as you know... Well, I don't know what the other aspect was. You know but... the other aspect is, right? Yeah, he's embroiled in a... A legal court tr- courtroom drama with that, with his ex-wife uh, Amber Heard. Um, so uh, number four uh, on my list are animated films uh, that just dropped trailers. Uh, Bob's Burgers, uh, Bob's Burgers movie trailer just dropped. How can um, you do a movie on that? Say it again, Paul. How, how is it? How is it possible to do a Bob's Burger movie? Man. First of all, I'm not a huge Bob's Burger fan. Um, I know I have friends that are, that love it. I mean, I think the humor is a little quirky, a little odd, but I can see why. It's like a stoner comedy type of thing. Yeah, I can see why it has its fans, but uh, to have an entire movie based on the franchise is kind of mind-boggling, considering. Um, Then again, yes, the show does have its fans, so people will go out to see it that are fans of um, the show. But another one we saw, which is a really odd animated film, it looks like stop motion animation, but it's really, I believe it's CG because stop motion animation, we talked on the show before, takes forever to shoot. But it's called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, and it's uh, basically uh, this magical uh, little shell, um, <laughs> and it's vo- uh, the shell is voiced by Jenny Slate. 
Um, Rosa Salazar, Thomas Mann, Leslie Stahl, Isabella Rosalini all also star in it. Uh, number five on my list, interesting one, Bill Skarsgård, known for playing Pennywise the Clown in the It franchise, is going to star in a reimagining of The Crow. Can you believe they're, they're touching The Crow again? Oh, it's yeah, no. time to touch be, The Crow. Shouldn't I don't do think it. it'll rock. I mean... Uh, Paul, you're going to have to repeat yourself. You keep cutting out. Okay, I mean, I, I don't think that would work. I mean, you just can't do it without... Um, you can't do that without Lee. I mean, it's like Lee's the key of the crow. I mean, they tried a couple of times and it just failed. There were some, there were uh, iterations of the crow after um, Brandon Lee had passed away, weren't there? Yes, but I, they I, were awful. They were, they were awful, yeah, right? They were not good at all. Okay, so they want to do it one more time with, with uh, Bill Skarsgård in the title role, role as Eric Draven and um, uh, Rupert Sanders, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, Ghost in the Shell, will direct. So um, that's really pretty cool. Um, number six on my list, I, I'm really uh, interesting. To, has a lot of in, intrigue um, wrapped around it. Anyone uh, Squid Game fan? Have seen anyone seen Squid Game? Uh, it's definitely one of the craziest shows I've seen in my entire life. Uh, the director Huang Dong Yuk said he's developing a movie right called Killing Old People Club. Um, so basically. I'm imagining it's pretty much that old character from Squid Game, just with more and more of them, I guess, more old people, which is a pretty... I mean, this this Wong Dong Yuck, I mean, he's got a serious, serious, crazy um, mind when it comes to, to uh, violent, violent um, cinema, um, as you saw in Squid Game. It was just ridiculous. I can imagine this film would be even crazier um, he said it's going to be more violent than Squid Game. He said that he might have to hide from old people after the film comes out. <laughs> Can you believe that? He said the project has the working title KO Club. So, uh, yeah. That's pretty, crazy. That is crazy, man. Um, um, and speaking of um, Squid Game, Hyun Jun, um, who plays number 67, she was like the breakout star, from Squid Game is going to star along Lily Rose Depp, Renani Rensive, and they're going to be starring in Joe Talbot's uh, second sophomore feature film, The Governesses. So um, it's actually based on Anne Sarah's novel of the same name, follows three rebellious governesses who upend the household they work in, imprinting uh, the minds of the boys in their care igniting the imaginations of the bohemian couple who employ them and abandoning their charges for erotic adventures, is what it says here. <laughs> um, Lily Rose Depp, Ho Yun Jung, uh, and an erotic adventure. Okay, I guess I'm sold. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so number nine on my list, guys, is, is sorry, number eight on my list is, is Netflix. So, um, Netflix um, actually was uh, the target of a joke on Saturday Night Live. Um, they actually, there was a musical bit um, with uh, Pete Davidson, Chris Redd, and musical guest Gunna, and actor Simon Rex. Um, They're talking about how movies are so goddamn long nowadays. I mean, three hours, right? Isn't that insane? Three hour movies? It's just way too over the top, right? Oh, that's the thing. I mean, isn't that what killed um, 
the Lone Ranger. The Lone, Lone Ranger would have been fine if it was like a two-hour movie, but that's three hours. People just really, yeah, this is too much. Right. So Netflix is going to start an entire section of short-ass movies. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> of that? So, uh, so maybe an hour. Um, uh, so maybe basically it's going to be um, movies that are under an mm-hmm. hour and forty minutes. So there you go. Short-ass nice. movies. Um, um, of course, you know, you're watching your favorite three-hour movie, like The Batman, and you didn't want to take a bathroom break, right? So this alleviates this issue. Um, <laughs> uh, granted, uh, I made sure I didn't drink the large uh, drink prior to uh, watching The Batman because it's fucking three hours long. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, also on Netflix, Loki star Gugu Mabatha Raw. You might remember her. From not only Loki, but also um, The Morning Show. She's going to be in a, a movie opposite Kevin Hart, an action heist film called Lift. And our boy Billy Magnuson, who's been on Below the Belt Show, is joining uh, the cast as well. Vincent D'Onofrio, who is the new uh, kingpin in MCU, because he shifted over from the Netflix Marvel Universe, which is pretty awesome. So uh, we're not making just the old Kingpin just in the MCU now. Um is he the old Kingpin? Uh, so th- does everything that occurred in uh Daredevil for D'Onofrio's character did does does that carry over? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean I, I think that whole series just kinda kinda carries over because you had uh, Daredevil there too, so Yeah. I'm not sure about that, but it's basically a story of an in- International heist crew who are reunited to prevent a terrorist attack who must pull off a heist on a plane mid-flight. A mid-flight. Uh, well, a plane is mid-flight. They're trying to pull off a heist. That's pretty insane, guys. Um, Wait a second. Bane did the same thing. Which movie did the same thing? Bane. Bane from the Batman movie. Oh, Bane did that? Oh. Mid-flight? Yes. You all remember that at the beginning of the movie, he was robbing a plane. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there you go. I guess it's not an original idea. <laughs> uh, but definitely something worth checking out. Um, Bridgerton season two broke the records on Netflix, top 10 list, the most viewed show across uh, a seven day period. Um, uh, with 251 points. I-, I bet you every female in the universe watched that. Every yeah. guy did. Or they had to watch it with their girlfriend. 251.74 million uh, watched Bridgerton. So, anyways, we are going to put Netflix stuff on hold. Talk about some AMC stuff, right? Right? (laughs) (laughs) So, we're welcoming on Below the Belt Show um, a phenomenal actor that you can see on season 11 of Walking Dead as the antagonist Sebastian from the Commonwealth community, guys. We have Teo Rap Olson on BTB. Teo, good to have you. Hey, good to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks for uh, uh, putting up with us a little switcheroo there, but nonetheless, you're here nonetheless. <laughs> all good, man. All good. Hope awesome. everything is uh, solved and it wasn't too much of a headache for you guys. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and uh, I think we did solve it. Um, but you're here, so we're happy. And uh, I think everyone on the panel is a Walking Dead fan which is great. Yep. I specifically had picked this panel uh, as Walking Dead fans. Um, and we got to say, season 11 is amazing. And it yeah. really has to do with this Commonwealth storyline. 
Teo. I mean, you guys are just, I mean, this is something different. I had never dreamt of seeing a red carpet gala in a zombie apocalypse, and we got that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they got velvet ropes and shit, man. It's crazy. <laughs> and this is because of the Commonwealth, your community, it's an established, civilized community of sorts, right? Yes, high society. Yeah, uh, high society. Yeah, we're like talking, you know, it's the first time we're seeing a, a community of like 50,000 people. Prior to this, everything's been, you know, tiny, tiny little settlements of maybe 100 people. Yeah, and I can see why everybody wants to be behind the Commonwealth walls. I mean, we mm. see, you know, people are starving, you know, they have inadequate, uh, you know, um, uh, facilities and um, you know um, perks and 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 great and, and they don't have red carpet events of course but uh, so like here guys I'm just saying I think this is a good good system going I think this is just gonna lead us to the end of the show no more ifs ands or buts we're gonna yes. have a good time yes, right yes. no problems fair enough. And- Spinoff. Oh, that's that's a little later. That's a little later. <laughs> well, um, well, uh, let's talk about uh, the beginning, Ateo, uh, about how you got involved with TWD. Um, your audition process was it a strenuous one? Was it uh, a lot of competition, or was one of those uh, you killed the tape and you got picked? Uh, <laughs> um, so I mean, pretty wild thing was I mean, obviously this is started all during the pandemic. Um, shockingly enough, acting was very very slow for everyone. Um, it was slowly picking back up, but I was actually working on some other things. I was uh, doing a lot of stuff in New York, where I'm from. Um, I was working on two like local campaigns, uh, for political campaigns, and working at a food pantry. Uh, got the audition for this. It's one of these classic ones you do at like 10 p.m. at night. Um, obviously, it's you know this very smug, arrogant, uh, you know, crappy guy. So it just you know spewed from my mouth really easily. My girlfriend was you know just like, oh, this is yourself. Um, and <laughs> you just, uh, you know, put it on tape and it's one of those things where because statistically you don't hear back from these, you, you know, you do it and you, you have to let it out of your head. Um, we know how like, it is. Myself and Paul are actors as well. Oh, well, yeah. Then you definitely get the right. We know, so, we yeah, know I mean, the process. I, yeah. Yeah. 90% of the time, if you ask the day after I audition for something like, how did it go? I'd be like, what, how did what go? Because I just have to, you know, put it out of the head because, again, you're just not going to hear right. anything. Right. Uh, which is so much of the time. Um, and this was the crazy thing is I'd actually just had a chat with my manager because I kind of had half a foot out the door of acting. Uh, just like I was, you know, getting pretty exhausted like everybody else. Nothing what? was coming down half, the pipe. You had half the half your foot outside the door of acting. No, I, mean, I literally I had the call with her of basically being like, I, you know, I'm probably going to think about I had in my inbox a. Um, an email from one of the campaigns to do a, a like a job on the campaign. Uh, these are like two uh, city council campaigns. It's the local of the local in New York. Um, but I had the job for that. Was ready to sign on. So I was gonna you know still like audition for voiceover or commercials. But sure. You know, else um, because I also said to them you know look if I get a commercial or voiceover that's a day of work I can you know be out of that. Sure. Odds are I'm not gonna book anything and go I don't know off to Atlanta for months of my life. Um, and then obviously. <laughs> Lo and behold, I got this. And uh, they'd have been back and forth. They'd been like talking about it. But my manager didn't even tell me because she knew that, you know, and the chances that this doesn't go my way, she didn't want to get my hopes up. So I didn't know until I had gotten it. So, you know, at this point, I was literally prepping to do um, phone banking, um, which anybody who's done that, it's obviously a noble task, but it's not exactly the most fun and exciting thing one does right. with their day. 
Um, so, you know, I was kind of like psyching myself up to go do that. And I get a call from her and she's like, I'm about to bring on your agents and everybody else, which uh, anybody in acting is either an amazing thing or it's them letting you know that they're dropping you. Um, and the first thing they said is like, this is either great or we're dropping you. And I was like, well, I really, really hope it's great. Um, and yeah, and they were, lo and behold, they're like, do you remember what you auditioned for? As I had already said, I completely had forgotten because I had to put it out of my mind. Wow. Um, and they were like, do you remember auditioning for Walking Dead? And I paused. Um, I was like, no expletive, you know, taken out, but no effing way. You can um, say F, by the way. Here. Oh, no fucking way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we have a little belt show. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Just checking my boundaries before I go there. Uh, I am, after all, from New York, so it, it comes as second nature. Yes. Um, but... <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, and then I was literally on the floor and my dog was just attacking my face. Uh, so with one hand, I'm holding her back and the other hand, I'm still on the phone. <laughs> your dog knew you booked it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you she tell was, your, she was your dog could tell your excitement. Oh yeah, no, she was losing her mind. <laughs> she was like, something's going on, on the floor, this is great. Uh, but yeah, no, I was, I was, wow. I mean, you know, running around the apartment, losing my mind. This is, wow. you know, no, it's, it's amazing, the amazing call to get for any actor so at this yeah. point you know you booked it were you already a walking dead fan at this point or did you yes. feel like you had um, to do a lot of research and before uh, uh, so i never read the comics um and i have been like kind of coming in and out but like i i can tell you exactly where i was when i watched uh the first episode of the, of the show i was like in my apartment in college and a friend was over and they were like hey do you want to watch the sickest pilot i've ever seen uh threw it on and uh obviously i was hooked um it wow. got me into zombies as a whole i you know went off to read world war z i was like very into the whole concept um wow. and so you know, I just, yeah it was obviously like anybody else anytime you get an audition for walking dead you're like oh this would be awesome but you know again i'm not gonna hold my breath um but yeah so then the second i got it the first thing i did is i bought the entire compendium um and just went through it uh just to like whoa get an idea. again when are you ever gonna be in like yes reason I say well, that is you read all when you thought you killed Rickon by reading the comic. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's, I was actually going to get to that, but Paul, you beat me to it. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I had heard tell of this before I read, but yes, I got to that part. Um, was like, all right, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, when I got to set the first day, almost every cast member was like, you better not kill me. You better not kill me. So <laughs> so clearly, clearly it's going to be able uh it's going to be somebody else or you are you not able to say i can't say a gosh darn word um, <laughs> but it, i think someone's it's going to be fun I, someone's getting that done and look i i've said this before but i think um you know we're in an age of a lot of uh, uh tv shows and movies being made of uh source materials the books in this case Absolutely. comics um and I think something that Walking Dead has done really well, and I think it has split some people, but I'm a big fan of, is from day one, it always said, we're not going to stick exactly to the source material. Um, you right. know, like we see Carol dies in like the in the prisons. Uh, you know, That's her right. daughter, I believe, stays on the whole time, uh, whereas yep. she dies at the beginning of the second season. Like so they're yeah. just things like, yeah, things like that, that you know, I think they've started from day one. And so there's a lot of places where we follow, you know, exact line for beat for beat and there's other things where you can see we're already going off in different directions or you know in this case like characters are getting different arcs um obviously we're seeing like um you know um uh the the lawyer arc for michonne going over to uh ellen so you see those kind of things yeah but i'm i'm excited yeah. i think it's a really cool thing and obviously when you get a whole season you have more time to unpack and investigate so the commonwealth for example i think we obviously get more time to serve what exactly you know goes into that <laughs> 
But at the same time, I think it's good that they stick somewhat to the source material because, as you know, season 11 is ending, people. So uh, it's the final uh, season of The Walking Dead. Uh, that being said, uh, there's going to be spinoffs. Paul, you alluded to spinoffs earlier. Um, Tales of The Walking Dead for once. Uh, mm-hmm. how, would, how would you like to be a part of your own Sebastian uh, <laughs> episode of... Great, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? Don't you want to well, see him curse out zombies and ask for you know people to come help him with his advanced military training yeah do you, would you like something in, in in like a prequel to to sebastian what, what do you think of timeline wise for your for your episode? i mean i look i i think anything in the the prequel world would be amazing it's okay i, I it's something that um that i was really excited about with sebastian is that i, I don't know i'm a really strong proponent of it. like unless you're playing like a demonic you know evil character right. most villains and things are they don't see themselves as evil and i don't think sebastian is uh any different than that you know i personally i uh, don't think he's like a, a sociopath i don't think there's something necessarily like um he's mentally a small brat. he's just a small brat. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, mean, like, I completely agree with that but i think there is you know there's yeah. there's uh th- there's method to the madness there's method to like how he came to be um and that's something that, you know, I've done a lot of background work on. But of course, obviously, if anybody ever wants to <laughs> throw any kind of, uh, you know, prequels, spinoffs, all that kind of stuff, I, I certainly would not <laughs> would not say no. But well, um, we you, do know that your mother, uh, the character that's your mother, uh, Pamela Moulton, um, it was a politician uh, pre-apocalypse. Yes. Correct? Right. And so you you lived a life of privilege all your life, pre-apocalypse mm-hmm. and, and during it. Yeah. So I guess that's where your spoiled mentality comes from, I would imagine, is just li- living a, l- a little more uh, luxurious lifestyle, a little more upscale lifestyle than, than others. Yes, I, yeah. I definitely think that hasn't hurt. Um, what I um, – and you'll obviously see me trying to defend Sebastian, which is a hard <laughs> task to do. But um, <laughs> I, I, I think this is also a person that's, you know, to some degree – I mean, he's born into legacy. This is the equivalent of, like, you know, your Kennedys, Clintons, the Bushes, I mean, yes. now Trump. Um, it's a family that has been doing this for a while pre, uh, you know, Sebastian. I mean, cause her father, we've also, uh, you know, established was a politician. So when he comes along, this is already some pretty like big shoes to fill. That's a high mantle to be on. I think to some degree, this is also to uh, a kid in over his head. You know, I, I don't necessarily know if he would have fallen into this lifestyle had he been born in any other, you know, rung of society, yeah. if he wasn't born to politicians. Right. Right. Um, let's talk about some of the actors you've worked closely with. Um, of course, uh, Norman Reedus being one of them. Um, you know, you, you're, you're not really a, too much of a, you know, you kind of fix his collar, you know. I mean, it's more, I, I think you're kind of, I'm trying to uh, think of the word to best describe how you would react, how Sebastian reacts to Norman Reedus. What would you call it? Like a show, showing off or more of a more of a pompous attitude? How would you describe that? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is always trying to force Daryl to know his place in this society. And obviously, sure. Daryl is this guy who, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a lone wolf. He can, he, you know, he will do whatever it takes um, and can do whatever it takes. But he's coming up against a, a weird match in a kid who, you know, obviously he could kick my ass any day of the week. But, you know, within this collective, he has to, he has to kowtow to some degree. Not only did you work closely with Norman Reedus, uh, you worked uh, very closely with your fellow uh, Commonwealth people like Margot Bingham um, and Mercer. Mercer, wow, what a what a what a great character he is. Uh, tell us just 
your interactions and your some of your favorite interactions with some of your fellow Commonwealth folk. Oh yeah, I mean Michael and I got really tight. Uh, who Michael James Shaw who plays Mercer. Um, yeah, he's the first person I basically met on set. Um, and I, I mean, for the second we met, we basically became really good friends. Um, we, so like the very first, uh, moment they ever see Sebastian, it's like Mercer walking him and his girlfriend past, uh, like Eugene and princess and Ezekiel. Um, and so we're doing that a few times. And again, like, I don't know anybody at this point. Um, and I don't even really know Michael that well, and I don't know what compelled me to do this, but, uh, we had, you know, done it a few times now and I'm behind him. So he's in his massive, you know, armor. Um, and as we're walking back, I just said to him something to like, you know, damn, I hate to see you leave, but I'd love to watch you go. Um, and he <laughs> laughed at that and, you know, I kind of knew we were going to be all right. Um, and we've <laughs> been the rapport. I, I've heard Ever. that. I've heard that line before when you're, you're going to see like a really hot girl. You exactly. Know, like... well, I mean, you got to see him with this butt played there. It's, it's something. <laughs> it's I haven't been standing two feet behind it. <laughs> that is um, that is incredible man um uh also uh i believe though from what i read the walking dead has already uh wrapped shooting for season 11 what was it like um for the last week of production i'm sure everyone is uh um wild. yeah i should I mean, remember yeah, was a part happy happy mode was it a bittersweet what was like the the vibe on set for that last there was production. a lot of that. I mean, it was very mixed. And, you know, what is so weird um, is coming into something this late in the game. And obviously, again, having been a fan before anything else, um, there's, you know, I got, you know, joining in with all this, like, um, intense emotion, but also knowing there are people here who have been doing this for a decade, more. I mean, this thing had been going on its 11 seasons. It took 12 years. Um, and in that, you know, that goes down, not just like the people you think, of course, you know, like, uh, Norm or, um, you know, Lauren or any of the other cast members, but it's also just the crew. I mean, there's people who have been there literally since day one, there's camera operators there who, you know, were there on the first episode and just stayed on and built a life there. They own homes, whether it's in Sonoya, Georgia, or further north. Um, but I think, you know, it was just, it was it was kind of a weird place to both like I am experiencing some of this because I'm you know saying goodbye to this experience. But again, for me, relative, it's, you know, uh, X amount of months. Um, there was just something that was almost like a spectator as like, you know, as a, somebody who had been a fan to be like, wow, this, this is what it looks like when a show that has been going on for this long and, you know, has been this important and has left such an indelible mark um, comes to a close. It was really something. How about the rap party? I bet that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what happens about rap yeah. parties. Rap party, man. There's Jesus. Some crazy stuff. Crazy um, stuff? No, no, no. It was, it was, it was. There's some lovely people. They, they have a signature it. cocktail called the Zombie, which was red. That, that's my. <laughs> <laughs> For someone that's went to, was attended a few uh, rap parties, they always have signature drinks based on the show. Yeah, it's important. You have to have that kind of stuff. Man. <laughs> Uh, what friendships have you made on the show? Wh- wh- who do you who do you kick it with uh, Offset? Um, so Michael's a huge one. Um, I got really close with um, with Josh McDermott, who plays Eugene. Oh, that's uh, so awesome, dude. So uh, obviously, you know, first thing, he pops me in the face. Yeah. Um, I can't <laughs> um, Josh McDermott is the nicest human being I've ever met. Uh, he 
we did like the first reading um, and he texted me the second we finished. Um, it was basically like, hey, here's my number. You know, if you need anything, welcome to the family. Yada, yada, yada. Wow. We got a fight for the punch. Um, and, you know, we were just kind of shooting the shit. It felt like, all right, we're actually going to look closer. So I told him the truth, which is like, I got to be honest, like, I'm really happy to be here. I'm also kind of scared shitless. This is crazy. I've never I've never done anything of this scale. Um, I'm coming in to be, you know, a big problem to you guys that just feels like some mantle. Um, and he was very honest of just saying, like, dude, when I got here, my first episode, I was terrified. I totally feel you. Right. Um, everybody in this cast really does feel um, a need to lift everyone else up. Um, it does truly feel like a family. And that's something that gets tossed around a lot, especially with big shows like this. Yes. Um, but I can, I honestly can say from firsthand experience, it really does feel like a family. Um, and what he had told me was that, you know, he was passing this along because uh, when he got on the show, his first day, uh, Andrew Lincoln drove down from Atlanta to welcome him to the show. And he wasn't even shooting that day. Um, and similarly, you know, it was telling him, like, we raise everybody up. We work together. If somebody's having a hard day, we work with them. Um, and that has just been so evident. And basically from that point onward, I don't know, I always felt very comfortable and like I could do my uh, my job and my thing, um, which is obviously, again, it's a it's a high pressure situation. And he really did his best to, you know, make it feel as good and smooth and easy to come to work each day that's awesome and just a testament to how great an actor he is because oh, the yeah. eugene character is just so unique and, and awkward and um but i'm i'm glad that he finally lost his virginity I, it's implied but did, 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 he, did, he, indeed, did he indeed lose his virginity i'm assuming he did yes it's looking it's looking that way i would okay. I, you know i, I didn't I, and two I, women I two women yeah. not one right <laughs> But yeah, no, he's fake he's Stephanie he's, and, 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 and well, but they're both fake Stephanies. Uh, Stephanie yeah. one and Stephanie two. <laughs> the, deep, the deep fake conspiracy of the Stephanies. Right. <laughs> uh, what about working with the actor that plays Lance? How how's oh, your acting? Uh, also, Josh. Uh, yeah, uh, he's amazing. I'm well. First of all, I mean, you know, he's another uh, New Yorker, so um, yeah, Josh Hamilton and Josh Lyle Hamilton, Robbins, thank you. Um, um, both uh, from New York and. I mean, it's it's a really cool uh, experience to work with folks like that because they're they you know they really come from the theater background. They've been doing that kind of stuff in New York forever. Um, so just to see their style on on set, how they you know approach scenes, uh, the kind of questions they ask. It, I mean, seriously, watching both of them, there's kind of times where I'm I'm you know I'm in character doing my thing, but I'm also kind of like taking notes on the side. I'm like, God, this is really good. They're doing a great job. Oh, cool. Um, and having to like remind myself that like I'm you know supposed to be doing my job. Um, but no, he's, he's such a, a funny and also just very like humble guy. You know, I mean, Lance comes off as this very, you know, conniving evil guy who's just always, you know, coming up with like the next concoction of a plan. But you talk to Josh between takes and, you know, like literally I remember one time be like, dude, that was amazing. He was like, oh, I don't know. That was, I guess maybe. It's amazing. Come on, just take the compliment. Um, no, he's, he's, I mean, again, I, I, I can't stress. I have yet to meet like a, a crummy human being on that show. Everybody was super sweet. Yeah, that's. Uh, and we've had a lot of Walking Dead actors on here on BTB, and we across the board, the guys have just been awesome and, and, uh, and oh, great, great people. Obviously. Yeah, both in both in person <laughs> at many Comic Cons, and of course virtually. We've we've had quite a few, and we're so happy to have uh, Sebastian. Um, Sean, you've been a little quiet because Sean, you're a big Walking Dead fan. I know you got a I, you got a question for Teo, don't you? Uh, I actually, it's more along lines of his whole entire career, um, because this is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first 
uh, recurring role that you've had, right? Usually you're in a show maybe for like one episode or something like that. How is it yes, star, right? Yeah. So how is it different now that you, you know, are in a role that's established and recurring as opposed to the other roles that you've had previously? I mean, I can't stress enough, man. It's 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 a gift. It's a, it's a present because you get to know this character and there comes a moment. I remember talking with one of my best friends who's also an actor and just saying like, there comes a moment where you realize like, oh, I am now the eminent scholar on this character. You know, all questions now come to me as to what Sebastian would do. I've established him. Um, and that is a rare gift because a lot of times, you know, if you're coming on for an episode, you kind of feel like, you know, just things are being thrown at you. You're under fire. You just got to go mm -hmm. with it. And like you're figuring out the character as you move. Um, but for me, you know, I kind of got the luxury of like, okay, I get this intense opening scene where, you know, I get a very strong idea of who this guy is. And little by little, I'm just kind of figuring him out and crafting along. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is I'm getting, you know, each script as the episodes are coming forward. So I'm, I'm finding out as we're moving along. Um, but I remember like, you know, after like, the, the, the second episode I'd shoot, you know, trying to chat with, um, uh, uh, Denise who, uh, Huth, who's uh, one of the uh, producers, yeah. and just being like, uh, hey, like, you know, we, like, at, per what we were kind of talking about, like, do you know, think this guy is a sociopath? Do you think he has some kind of uh, mental issues, or do you think this is uh, truly just uh, like a spoiled brat? Um, because, the, again, this was too early for me to even fully know just from the amount of material I'd had. Um, and I, I'm still finding this guy, but then, you know, by the time you get towards like the later end of what I'm doing with that arc, I felt very, very confident in every single decision. I would have, you know, full dialogues with the directors. Uh, we had Greg Nicotero directing one, which was like one of my favorite experiences. Cause we would just have like long chats of like, oh no, this is how Sebastian would do something. And he'd be like, oh yeah, I think you're right. Like that is, um, so there's, again, there just comes a certain level of, um, confidence and ownership that a lot of times if you're there for a day or even just a week you don't really want to step on anybody's toes you're the new guy on the set right. um and then you can go which you know reasonably enough it's going to be it's you know a lot of the other cast and crew they work with so many people it's just uh, you know cycle them in and out but here you get to know everybody everybody knows what you bring to the table you have rapport which just makes everything feel a lot you know more relaxed at work so coming up that do you have a favorite scene that you've shot in so far? Um, yes, I definitely do. Um, have we seen it? I, I go there's, there's one that I can't talk about because it's, it's way later. Um, oh, I know. I'm man. sorry. I'm so How about sorry. of what we've seen? How about of what we've seen? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I, man, I, I got to kill a zombie, dude. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> you're not going to have a bad time when you get to go to work and kill a zombie. And to do so with, like, you know, all the major characters' weapons, um, I remember like getting that script and I was in my place in, in New York and reading it and I like let out a very high pitched squeal. Um, and my girlfriend was like, what, 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 what is it? And I was like, I kill a zombie. I kill a zombie. <laughs> uh, she was not as, uh, enthused about, uh, the undead and all this kind of stuff. So she wasn't, uh, she wasn't sharing my excitement about this, but I was needless to say, very, very excited. Um, and because on that one, uh, the director, John Emile, uh, he's this British director, amazingly smart guy, and he also comes from a film background. Uh, so he really took his time with a lot of the shots on that one. So there's a lot of these cool, like, uh, you know, like uh, uh, hammer, like handheld, just moving around, um, like, you know, getting all these really good tracking shots. 
um, that helped tell the story. And I just, you know, again, there's something about getting that kind of action and then also having that moment at the end where for the first time we see, you know, him go from the heights of, uh, you know, talking down to Mercer and Daryl to seeing his mom and just running off to like, you know, go tell her that it, you know, wasn't what it looked like. Um, because it just, it, it was the first, you know, glimpse to me of like, oh, wow, this, this is another layer that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, and we're, we'll be talking about the finale a little bit. Uh, this is the part two finale because we're going to post this after Sunday. But yeah, it looks like a little bit, a little bit more will unfold about uh, how, how Sebastian's getting held back from his mom, mostly finances. And apparently you're, you, um, you're uh, suspect uh, Max is hiding something, huh? I mean, somebody's doing something here, man. We yeah. got to figure out some, there's some rotten eggs in the Commonwealth and I know it's not Sebastian. So somebody's yeah. doing oh, something. Oh, it's not Sebastian. Okay. Oh, come on. He's, he's a hero. He's a <laughs> <laughs> hero. the next series. <laughs> how did you like working uh how did you like appearing on the talking dead and um meeting chris jericho a few of us here are wrestling fans so we can myself included uh yes! I, I, so cool i was just wrestlemania actually so i have i haven't i haven't watched in a bit i i haven't kept up but i i grew up like wwf and then into yes. wwe yeah uh so hey it was the funny thing of um I had done one before, uh, but this was the first back in the studio. Um, and, you know, the person who, you know, they call you up, kind of just run you through what's going to happen and so on. And so that's when somebody told me, the guest, and like, all right, do you know Chris Jericho? And I was like, the, like the wrestler? Yes. Yeah, of course I know Chris <laughs> Like, oh, well, he's a big fan and he's going to be on. I was like, you're serious? Like, what's the catch? Um, like, waiting for them to be like, and he's going to, you know, hey, walk He's also Jericho. a singer. He's going to harm you. Uh, and I was like, okay, I mean, look, that's fair. You have to do what you have to do. Um, but no, he, he's literally the nicest human being in the world. And it was also wild because he's, I mean, he just really watched those episodes and had like these very insightful points. I remember kind of like looking over and listening and having a moment of like, Chris Jericho is just like breaking down this episode in front of me. And I don't know if I would ever <laughs> explain that to a child version of me. Be like, he's yeah, a that guy, super fan, total super fan, which is crazy. He's a super fan. And he's just, I mean, again, he's a really like. He's emotionally intelligent. He's a very like, you know, IQ like person. He's just he's a very smart guy on so many different levels. Well, um, he, he compared Sebastian, your character, to the heel in wrestling. I think that's such I, a great mm -hmm. comparison. Highest honor of my life. <laughs> like, I was just I mean, I was blown away by that. Um, but no, it, again, when he said that, I was, <laughs> I was just like, crap. Yeah, man, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, now he's the old school Triple H. <laughs> I think we have the same body too. It's crazy. Oh, that, right. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, that is so. Era. It was good. Yeah. It was good. I'm uh, so looking forward to uh, part three. Um, fall of 2022 is when we can see uh, part three. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think yeah. they announced it yet, but I think falls. So we have a long summer to wait, guys, before we get to to uh, part three. But in the meantime, we have. Tales of the Walking Dead. We have Fear the Walking Dead to keep us uh, satiated until then. But uh, I did want to throw out before we let you go, Teo, you're in Puerto Rico. Uh, can we say? Uh, I believe uh, your, your rep uh, said that we could ask you about your newest project. If, if that's yes, you totally can. Uh, so I'm down here working on an episode of the show Fantasy Island, which is on Fox. Um, yes. It just came back 
season two. Uh, so this is based off of like the 1970s show. Um, and yes. they brought it back. Uh, it's actually a really, really fun episode. Uh, it's kind of this classic story of um, these three estranged, I mean, siblings who clearly are not that close anymore. Their mom has passed um, and her like dying wish is that they spread her ashes um, in this very beautiful spot, but like, you know, have to do so in a, 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 in a experience of lovingness, which uh, my character literally, you know, says when explained that, like, could we just solve global climate change instead? Because that's going to be impossible for us. Um, and needless to say, we go on some adventures and some shenanigans, but it's been incredible. And again, you know, when your work takes you to Puerto Rico for two weeks, you're you're not going to say no or have a bad time. So it's it's been pretty. Yeah, good. man. Fiesta, fiesta, no, cerveza, cerveza. On a Fantasy Island, you have a little midget guy that says the plane, the plane. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, sadly no longer uh, there. Um, but when I saw that, I, you realize that's also the guy who was in uh, Man with the Golden Gun, the James Bond. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, yeah, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> Nick Nack. Uh, it was amazing. <laughs> um, so I'm sad to say I have not met Nick Nack. I was very disappointed. Oh, um, but uh, but it is really cool. The the crew here is amazing. Um, it'll be the fifth episode of the second season. Yes. Uh, and yeah, again, like it's it's just a really fun story and. You know, rarely do you get to go off and, in this case, meet some amazing, amazing actors. And from, you know, before we even started shooting, hang out and just build the sibling bond uh, before shooting. And uh, I, you know, again, I'm not even just blowing smoke, but I, I do think that the, you know, working with uh, the the guys and gals on this one, it's 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 going to be a fun one. Oh, I can't wait to see that. And of course, uh, Walking Dead uh, Part Three uh, coming up uh, in the fall of 2022, and uh, I'm glad you stuck with your guns and stuck with, you know, look, you're, you're still an actor. You're a working actor. You're not, you're not doing the, crazy. I'm so glad, I'm so glad it worked out, man. This is, Thank you so that, much, that's, man. That, that is, as, as us as actors, that's our dream. I mean, um, you know, when, when we have those other jobs that we have to have until we can mm-hmm. say we're a working actor, then, 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 yep. then, you know, you've made it. So I also though, like, you know, somebody said this before, but it's that thing of like, you know, uh, in any other industry, you never say like, oh, they're trying to be this, they're trying to be that. Like, you know, if you're right. a lawyer, you work. If you're a doctor, you're a doctor. Uh, you know, I I firmly believe any anybody in the room, if you've been you know doing the grind and the hustle, then you're an actor, um, regardless of like anything on that resume. And I think that's the the hard part is because unfortunately we live in a world where a lot of it comes down to you know the resume, the the work, all that kind of stuff. Right. But if doing the hustle and the grind, any any actor from you know the biggest TV show to the you know smallest black box theater will you know be very much on the same page as you. Yep. I, I, I love how you're an inspiration for a lot of actors that are trying to make it. And you said you were working in food service prior. Is that what you said earlier? I know prior to that, I've done a lot, yeah. a lot of food yeah. service. <laughs> right. So it's like, hey, you know, one foot out the door almost and boom, you got The Walking Dead and you're, yeah, it just takes off from there. So, well, thank you. So this is an incredible interview, Teo. Uh, if you could, before we let you go, do a little promo, like the wrestlers do the promo. <laughs> Let us know who you are, your character on The Walking Dead. Uh, let us know you're on below the belt show and throw out a Sebastian catchphrase, whatever you want at the end. All right. Hey guys, it's Teo Rap Olson. I play Sebastian on The Walking Dead, coming to you on Below the Belt show. Um, and as Sebastian would say, listen to this right now, you filthy plebs. Yes! <laughs> awesome! We should take a screenshot. And I think, uh, Paul, you want to enable your camera for the uh, the photo op? 
Gotcha. All right. All right, here we go. All right, here's the photo up and one, two, and smile. All right, as I say in Puerto awesome. Rico, buenas noches. Good night. Thank you guys so much. Good luck with everything. Right. Um, Thank you. Hope to hear from you soon. All right. Thanks, Thanks Dan. Dan. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. That was awesome, guys. All right, Teo. That was Teo Rap the good dude. Olson. Wow. Shady, you had some good questions, man. Thanks. And, and, and Paul, yeah, you're throwing out the... Nice. Throwing out the uh, comic book spoiler, which, uh, if you haven't read the comic book, yes, Sebastian's character, the character in the comic book, does shoot and kill Rick Grimes. Wait a second, he could go over to the movies and kill Rick there. <laughs> I really believe that his that another person's going to be taking that death. That's my guess. But of course, Tail can't tell us, right? But that's okay. We don't want to know. You know, we, we're fans of the show, and... We know what NDAs are all about, so he's not going to tell us anything, guys. But uh, what a great interview, man. That was awesome. It was. All right. Just wrapping up the Netflix stuff. Um, Lock and Key coming to a close with his third season set for next year um, based on the Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. Comic books of the same name, of course, that also stars Amelia Jones from CODA, which won Picture of the Year at the Grammys. Oh, sorry, at the Oscars. Sorry. Grammys are later. Um, and TV star Rob Lowe has a new project on Netflix um, and it's called Unstable he's going to be acting alongside his son John Owen I bet you he looks just as old as his son because he doesn't seem to age at all does he yeah he takes dude Rob Lowe takes care of himself very very well Um, so yeah so he's going to be a comedy with his uh, with his son on Netflix and it's based on the real life relationship between the two lows. Um, and apparently, um, John actually trolls his father on social media, uh, which goes viral with jokes and gags. And Unstable is inspired by that. So if you go to Rob Lowe's social media, you'll see John just completely like, just completely ribbing, ribbing on his dad. Uh, <laughs> you know, all in love, right? But uh, I think it's kind of fun, right? Um, all right, Sith Lord, this is number nine, Disney Plus. Let's talk about the premiere date for Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, it's been shifted from May 25th to May 27th. So before you, and now I'm disappointed. I, I wanted to watch it two days before, so now I'm really upset. Now that will that initially sounds like a disappointment, right? But there's a good side. The good side is we're going to see two episodes instead of one. We're seeing the first uh, that two, is better. two episodes on May 27th, um, and uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, and again, Obi-Wan, 10 years before the original Star Wars, which is crazy, because Ian McGregor really looks nothing like Sir Alec Guinness, and he's going to have to oh. age 10 years. Sorry, he's going to have to age a lot more than 10 years to look like Sir Alec Guinness. I don't know how they're going to pull that off, but well, hopefully they can. Well, what about this? How's Darth Vader? Are they going to like put him on stilts or something? Because, I mean, like I don't think the actor who plays Darth Vader is that tall either. Hayden Christensen is a tall dude. He's a very he a tall, tall dude. He's a tall dude, yeah. yeah. And I think that was like one of the yeah, requirements for the role was that he had to be a certain height. Okay. I think that, yeah, I think that's why that happened. So, um, I can't wait, man. That's just going to be awesome. And 
we talked a little bit about Moon Knight, um, about the critics' reviews, and because I was in Dallas, I have not had a chance to watch it yet, but um, we will save Moon Knight talk for next week. <laughs> no doubt. All right. Um, it's actually so, pretty good. I think you would like it, Al. Oh, you know what? Okay, why not? Big Paul, have you watched the first two episodes of Moon Knight? I, I did, but I don't want to ruin it for you. So I mean, let's no, no, play. you're not going to ruin it. But can you tell us a little bit about it um, and your thoughts on on it, since you're going to be doing this on our behalf? Um, I I think see the first episode is kind of like him gaining his powers, and he just isn't sure of himself. So it's kind of like one of those type of stories. But it's like I don't know. It's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, as I said, I don't want to ruin it for you because you haven't seen it yet. So, it's like, I just. Well, we know Poe Dameron's in it. Yes. <laughs> but that's not really a spoiler, is it? No. But that's okay. I mean, if you want to just tell t- talk about some of the highlights of the first two episodes, please do. Um, yeah, I, I just, as I said, I just don't want to talk about it right now because, I mean, I, I don't want to ruin it for you because, I mean. Well, the, 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 the listening audience wants to know, know know about it. Can you at least say uh, how great they were or how sucky they I were? They were I mean, I think there, I think there could have been a little bit more like action. I mean, there was a lot of action, but it just wasn't enough. I don't know. Okay. I mean, well, since as I said, since you're introducing character, it's usually not the most exciting of the thing. But it, there was some decent action, and right, there's some character there's development that had to happen. Good, uh, yeah. A lot of character development has to occur, obviously, and mm-hmm. that, that's that's what that's. Um, um, but uh, as I said, I just don't want to give anything away if you haven't seen it yet. So I'm trying. You, you see what I where I'm coming from? Yeah. Okay, that's fair. All right. Uh, number ten on Amazon is um, a upcoming romantic comedy, um, which kind of has. I'm kind of affected by it because I actually auditioned for this movie and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get the part, but it, it's shotgun wedding. It's uh, Jennifer Lopez and Josh Demel. Um, my character had a really good scene with Josh Demel and I'm kind of bummed. Uh, I didn't, I didn't get a callback, but nonetheless, where, where was this, that? Do I see? Um, I don't know if I can say much about the role I auditioned for because um, let's just say that he is part of the destination where they get married. The character. Um, but I'm not, I don't know if I'm allowed to say much about that, but you didn't sign an NDA for an audition. Well, you know, it's kind of a given when you audition for a role, you kind of, you're not allowed to allude to the storyline because I mean, people haven't seen this movie yet. So, um, I really can't really talk. You'll probably the only thing I could say is the audition was for a security guard role, um, at the, at the destination location. Okay. Pretty much all I could say. Um, I'm just but, basically asking where I filmed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if I could say that either. Um, <laughs> although it's probably out there. Yeah. It's actually, uh, I believe, uh, it's in the Dominican Republic. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not going to go the traditional uh, movie theater route. It's going to go straight to Amazon Prime. Um. If you're a fan of Yellowstone mm-hmm. and a fan of sci-fi, you might like this new show with Josh Brolin called Outer Range. Anyone get to check out the trailer? I mean, it's a western with some supernatural elements to it. There's like a... Is it kind of like, what do you call it? Is it kind of like a Firefly? 
Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a fair um, comparison. Basically, uh, Josh Brolin's a rancher who's fighting for his land and family who, and discovers a supernatural mystery on his ranch. And it's described as a Western saga, a thrilling Western saga with uh, hints of humor and supernatural mystery. Wait, I know what it's about. It's about Thanos becoming a farmer like on the... Uh... After uh, the events of uh, the snap. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Over on Paramount Plus, that's number 11 for me. Wow. The original Star Trek, the next generation cast, generation. is going to be uh, appearing in season three of Picard. How exciting is this, guys? Uh, that's LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn. The Klingon, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis, Fred Spiner. Um, the third and final, final season of Star Trek Picard. So uh, that's really cool. Um, although Spine, uh, there's only going to be three seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe that's the contract. Maybe that's all. Uh, maybe that's all that Patrick Stewart was willing to do. I mean,. I mean, when you get, like, all the OGs, you know people are going to watch that are fans of the show. Maybe the ratings will, uh, you know, the viewership will just be off the charts, and they're going to decide to do a season four. But for right now, they decided that this is the final season of Star Trek Picard. But um, to get all those original cast members back, uh, that's pretty amazing. Were either of you um, a Star Trek Next Generation fan? Either of you guys get into it? You you were into it, okay. So so for Sean, yeah, yeah. So so. If you got past the first season, it seems like that's when to start picking up. The first season was kind of like just a dud mm-hmm. season, but after that, all the storylines got better, and and then the episodes made made you think about things. It wasn't just like a run run of the mill episode. Am I right or wrong, Al? Well, I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan, so I probably would. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> probably not the right person to ask. Well, I mean, um, as I said, the storylines are really good. So, I mean, like in the later seasons of it. Yeah. There's a lot of philosophical stuff. And mm-hmm. some of that I do want to get into some of these newer um, Star Trek iterations. One is Star Trek Brave New Worlds, um, which um, is a spinoff of Star Trek Discovery. They just dropped the trailer. Um, well, technically, you know what it is, right? That's the prequel to the original Star Trek. Yep. Yep, that's right. It focuses on the crew of the Enterprise during the years that Christopher Pike served as captain. Yes, mm-hmm. and I guess that's the the yeah the uh, and the pilot, and then like he had a bigger role someplace else that he left. Exactly. Yep. Um, and um, Anson Mount Pike um, was played by Jeffrey Hunter in the original unaired pilot. But in a series, it's Anson Mount. So, was he the guy from uh, the Western show? I believe so. Yeah. What, what show was he on? I can't recall. What was it? The one with the train. Snowpiercer. Oh, Hell on Wheels. Hell, Hell on Wheels. Wheels. Okay. And Snowpiercer is not a Western. He was, also, a he was also on an awful uh, and human show, but he probably wants to forget about that one. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody wants to have that on their resume. They're like, ah. That never happened. <laughs> uh, FX, uh, number 12 on my list. We're almost, uh, yeah, I'm going to halfway done the list here. Uh, Snowfall, 
has been renewed for its sixth and final season. A lot of friends love this show. Um, has has anyone watched it? I watched one episode. Um, I watched the first couple seasons. And I, I just kind of got repetitive after a while, so I, I'm surprised it's still on, to be honest. People say it's such a great show, and, I, and the one episode that I did see, wow, it was full. It, it was very heavy. There was a lot of violence, a lot of fucking cursing, and, and F-bombs, N-bombs, all of it was just crazy. Um, but uh, it takes place in L.A. during the crack cocaine epidemic of the 80s. And um, takes and the um, season five, which is currently airing on FX, takes place in the summer of 1986. Um, but uh, yeah, you're getting one more season of that. Second, it's 1986, and there's some crack. I mean, is Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden going to be in there? I think so. They should probably have actors to play those oh. guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, wow. Naomi Watts is going to be on the second season of Feud on FX. This is Ryan Murphy's anthology series. Based on the book, uh, Capote's Women, A True Story of Love, Betrayal, and A Swan Song for an Era. Uh, Watts will play socialite Barbara Paley, one of the several members of the New York's High Society who was a friend of Capote's, until he published excerpts of his unfinished novel. Uh, And uh, this will be an eight-episode series. Second season, of course, anthology style. And of course, a wrap-up. Number 13's Apple uh, is a new show with Jason Momoa, Aquaman himself. Not as Aquaman, though, but it's called Chief of War. He's actually going to be writing, starring, and executive producing it. Wow. Go Jason Momoa. Um, Yeah. Um, So that's really cool. Um, Basically, he tells the story of the colonization of Hawaii from an indigenous point of view. That I mean, you can't go... That's like perfect casting right there. I mean, you know, yeah, Momoa, Momoa, Jason Momoa. Momoa was born in Hawaii and he is a, a native of a Hawaiian ancestry. So, yeah. Um, and then we talked about the show with Jason Siegel, um, an Apple original comedy called Shrinking. Harrison Ford, Han Solo, Indiana Jones himself joins the cast. I, I never even heard about that show. What show is that? Yeah. So basically, um, uh, first of all, Harrison Ford's going to play Dr. Phil Rhodes, a down-to-earth, blue-collar shrink. A blue-collar shrink? Uh, how, how's that possible? That's, a good collar. that's like a that's like a white-collar plumber, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> oxymoron. Yeah, it's an oxymoron. That doesn't really make any sense. Um, um, Phil is a pioneer of the cognitive behavioral therapy, um, who has built a successful practice over the years. Um, and Siegel um, stars and writes the series. His character is Jimmy. His character is a grieving therapist who starts to break the rules and tells his clients exactly what he thinks, ignoring his ethics and his training. Um, sounds pretty crazy. It's a comedy, so I guess it'll be a lighthearted side of it. <laughs> um 14 was Walking Dead, but we, we talked a lot about Walking Dead with our special guest already. Um, uh, we, we talked a little bit about the finale um, with that pivotal scene with um, Sebastian and um, Max. But um, Big Paul, you, you caught the episode, right? What, what yeah. did you think? Um, I, I, I mean, Sebastian is just a dick at times. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, I think he's on to something about Max not 
being on the up and up. Am I right? Yes, that's one aspect. But what about just the craziness of everything going on with Maggie and with Leia and yeah, with Lance? Oh, yeah. Lance is just a dick. Lance is a dick, but he's got the smiling facade, which is just yeah, crazy. Yeah, I mean, like, basically, he more or less was like, hey, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I'm just going to send Leia out there to go take care of everybody. Right. We also saw Maggie um, take her son Herschel to the community, um, the new community of Negan. I that like she put him in custody of Negan. That's the thing. So this is probably going to start making a, lo- a lot more sense because, as you know, we're getting that Negan and Maggie spinoff. Why they're together in New York, we we have no idea. But obviously, they're going to have to forgive each other, right? I, which is more mostly. Maggie forgiving me. But how awkward is that? Because, I mean, it's like he killed the father of her kid. It's like, that's got to be like. It's crazy. But then at the at the end of the day, it was before he, he knew that Negan and, and, and all the saviors knew what uh, the group from Alexandria was all about. For all they know, they were the villains because they were killing their men in their sleep, you know. And I think Maggie has to realize that that the saviors weren't aware of, of you know. Then that uh, a weird thing is, do you think Maggie's gonna like fall in love with Negan? Do you think that's gonna that's be- that's gonna be nuts? And I have a feeling if they did that, they would piss off a lot of Walking Dead fans. Um, what else did we see on uh, the finale? They actually used locusts in this episode. Wasn't that kind of interesting? I, I thought like it seemed like you don't really see much other creatures in the Walking Dead universe. I thought a lot of them might have died from the virus. First of all, are locusts? I thought locusts were are pretty much a mid-Atlantic um, creature of sorts, but uh, I guess they're in Atlanta, and I guess they were shooting amongst the locusts, but, uh, um, but you know, they played a pivotal part because Maggie couldn't really hear Leah, you know, chasing after her, so. Um, but yes, we did see uh, in the episode, wow, this is crazy, Big Paul. Um, Leah was about to kill Maggie, but who saves Maggie's life and shoots Lee in the head? None of the other than her ex-lover, her ex-lover Daryl. How shocked were you to see Daryl with no hesitation shooting Lee in the head? Oh, I, I was shocked from that because I mean he's the one who kind of saved her. I mean in the first place, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what's crazy. He spared her life. But when it came down to the death of Maggie or the death of Leah, I think he just made his decision rather quickly. Um, which I, I would think that he probably would have had a struggle to make that call, right? But apparently, no. He yeah, just, yeah, he didn't even hesitate there. He just kind of just did it. Yeah. I was kind of hoping they would uh, like draw it out a little bit more, but yeah. I mean, going into the next season, but I guess not. Yeah. So the thing about the, the finale, all we really saw was the death of Leah and then one of the supporting um, Hilltop mm-hmm. characters. Um, he had passed away. He was shot in the head by Leah, I believe. Um, Marco. But no major deaths on uh, on the finale of Walking Dead. Um, I mean, I guess Leah is a, a major death, but I, I really think they really need to start taking out some of the... Uh, the main protagonist characters. You know, we have eight episodes left. Um, oh, see, that's the it, thing. That, that's the one issue I have with Walking Dead. Like, it seems like you have a mm-hmm. villain of the week and you just kind of push them away and then go on to the next villain. It's like, it's, you shouldn't just like, like, 
let some leave and then come back later on. I mean, I know right. there's not much time left, but right. All right, so we know where we we know where Dan Fogler is. Um, of course, he's been a guest on BTB, and you know he's going to be in the upcoming Fantastic Beast movie, and he plays Luke in The Walking Dead. Well, apparently, he said on a panel that um, Luke is most likely alive in an Oceanside, and apparently, he's just teaching music and hanging out with Jules. So, as you know, they kind of hinted yeah. at um, a budding relationship with. Um, Luke and Jules, and yeah, I was very conspicuous by his absence. We did not see Luke, but look for Luke to return, I guess, in part three of um, the final season of Walking Dead. So we're finally going to see that. And we also talked about the uh, Tales from the Walking Dead with, with Teo. They just announced Samantha Morton, Alpha, will be returning to Walking Dead to reprise her role as Alpha in an upcoming episode uh it's only six episodes for these this anthology series so we saw a prequel of um alpha already we saw alpha you know you know pretty much the latter part of her life and you know she was killed by negan i wonder what this timeline of alpha is going to cover paula are you uh are you you excited to see alpha Alpha where she's like just a mom that kind of like kills her husband like around that time period you think and then just kind of starts well we we saw that in the in like the prequel like we the saw that, but it didn't go, it did, yeah but it didn't go too too much into it did it so maybe maybe alpha like at the beginning of the apocalypse perhaps yeah maybe that's what we'll see yeah um apparently they had to uh shut down production for a little while because a crew member was injured on a river riverboat and plank accident um the crew member fell into the water and was taken to the hospital by the ambulance mm-hmm. uh, and she is reported in stable condition so well wishes go out to her and norman Reedus, as we mentioned on the show had suffered a concussion while filming the final season but he's okay too and of course orphan black um the universe is expanding um amc networks greenlit a new series called orphan black Echoes um, will be set in the near future. Um, so I guess the near future of the Orphan Black um, timeline. Um, and expected to follow a group of women as they weave their way into each other's lives and embark on a thrilling journey. All right. So that should be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and we'll do one more before we take a classic cut and get into... Actually, you know, we should take a classic cut now. I think that's a good idea. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Grammys, a little bit more about Will Smith, <laughs> and WWE. So that's le- left on the docket. No, that's, think, that's what they should do. They should, WWE should reach out to Will Smith and just have him slap somebody. I think that yeah, would be great. I think that would be great. But let's go ahead and take that classic cut break. So, um, yeah, we used to do a classic cut, you know, Chachi's uh, classic cut. But, um, you know, with the Grammys just passed, I figured we'd just play a cool cut. But this cool cut has influences of a classic song because it has samples of, like, 80s arcade, which is kind of cool. And it's a really good song. And it's by a fellow Filipino artist, which is great because it's one of my peoples. And she happened to have won the Best New Artist Grammy uh, at the Grammys. And it's Olivia Rodrigo. Okay, this is her song called Brutal, um, which, again, samples some really cool 
80s um, sound bites in the beginning. And uh, again, a really, really cool song. Olivia Rodrigo, such, such a talented artist, guys. So we'll, we will be back right after the classic cut. I'm so insecure, I think, that I'll die before I drink And I'm so caught up in the news of who likes me and who hates you And I'm so tired that I might quit my job, start a new life And they'd all be so disappointed, cause who am I if not exploited? And I'm so sick of 17, where's my fucking teenage dream? If someone tells me one more time, enjoy your youth, I'm gonna cry Alright, that was Olivia Rodrigo! She's awesome. She is awesome. That was uh, <clears throat> it's a great track, man. I don't know if you uh, got a chance to jam to it, but uh, Olivia best Rodrigo, new artist, right? best new artist at the Grammys. Yes. Yes. Oh, and, uh, did, did you get that, Al? Some punk rock influence? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the Good For You song has a lot of punk, like, pop, like it has punk. Uh, the Brutal song has punk in it, but the... Uh, I think the good for you has got like that that popular like punk pop vibe. A lot of people thought it sounded like Paramore for their song, but she's got a really good style. I mean, she she kind of she's kind of like on the alternative pop side of music, and she's got a very unique sound. Kind of all very similar to uh, well, you know what? I think her voice is similar in some regards to Billie yeah, Eilish. Give me a lot of Paramore the way she did that, but but the song that particular song, yes. Really yes. reminds me a lot of Paramore, which I'm a huge fan of. I think she, Haley Williams is awesome. All right, let's move on to the, the countdown. So number 15 is uh, Saturday Night Live, um, So, which will go into number 16, the whole Will Smith, Chris Rock controversy, which we did talk at length about last week's show, but with just a couple new things that have um, arose from that. So basically the opening, the cold opening for Saturday Night Live just made a... Um, a slight comment about the Will Smith Chris Rock slap, and they asked um, the uh, that great actor that that does the impression of Trump. I mean, he's probably again I've said on many times the show the best Trump impersonator that Saturday Night Live's ever had. I mean, his impression is so good. Oh man, it's just amazing. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see his impression, but well, um, Alex Baldwin needs a job right now. So I mean. Well, right. Alex not going to be very hire, hireable uh, or desirable uh, right now with that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, then then we had uh, Jared uh, Carmichael, um, who was the host of the, the opening monologue, who basically talked about how, even though it was six days ago, felt like a long time ago already. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. It still, still feels really, really new. He, bas- he basically talk about it every day. Yeah, he basically said, aren't you sick of talking about it? It feels like we were talking about it for so long. Uh, can you believe it's like been six days? It feels like it happened when we were all in high school. Um, feels like it happened somewhere between Jamiroquai and 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> then they did a fun little skit where Jared Carmichael played a, um, a Sikh filler uh, at, at the Oscars. And then um, Chris Red played Will Smith, and basically it was all about um, the, the seat filler being a fan of Will Smith. And then while they're having a conversation, 
Will Smith, played by Chris Red, goes up and, and smacks Chris Rock in the face, come back, comes back to his seat, and then automatically um, they don't like Will Smith anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, even going so far to say, uh, like, uh, because apparently they wanted a selfie initially, and uh, um, the seat filler said, uh, that's okay, I deleted my phone. <laughs> How do you delete? How do you delete your phone? <laughs> Basically, just making an excuse, you know. But this leads to my number sixteen. So, uh, Will Smith announced um, that he was resigning from the Academy. Um, so he's no lo- a longer a member of the voting member of the Academy, but he still gets to keep his Oscar for King Richard, Best Actor. He can still get invited to future Academy Award ceremonies. And he can still be nominated for future consideration. So, does really this, seem like, does this like, seem like a, a slap on the wrist? What do you think? Um, to be honest, Yael, I mean, I think someone was done for publicity and it just kind of went overhand. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't think people. I don't think anyone would do publicity to to damage no, their I mean, career. Like, you know? we were still talking about the Oscars. They had like the ratings are really down, and I've watched. It's true, it spiked the ratings, but I don't think it was a work. But Chris Rock, he, he, I'm not saying it, the way it looked, it looked like Chris Rock leaned away from the spot. It's like, yeah, they did, they did show that angle. It was so, and another thing is, this is all done, they, they pre rehearse everything. So, like, if he said that joke before, why was he not pissed off before when they did the rehearsal? Rehearsal, so it's like, yeah. I mean, I, I could be wrong, as I said, but I mean, it just kind of seems that way to me. But maybe I'm wrong. But that's just my opinion on it. No, I mean, you you have a very valid point. Um, um, but I still I still believe that that yeah, it was definitely not a work. And yeah, no, that was real. And and that that um that pretty much Will Smith just saw red after after seeing Jada upset over the joke and we, yeah and we did talk about how yeah he was laughing and everything and all of a sudden just something snapped. But was she really that upset though? Because didn't she come out and say that she she wishes he didn't do that? Yes. Yes, that's true too. And the fact Like she kind of threw him under the bus after he defended her. Yeah. That and the fact that she says, I don't really care what anyone thinks about my hair. If she didn't care why the fuck would she would she be right. upset How did we about the joke? Yeah, so um, so the repercussions now of Will Smith is that they have he has an upcoming uh, film called Fast and Loose on Netflix, and the project has actually been um, put on the back burner, mm-hmm. um, and for obvious reasons. So it remains unclear whether Netflix will return to developing Fast and Loose. Um. Or they might seek a new star for the project. So again, it was in development, and um, you know, it's well, the director pre- left on that project, right? Yeah. Did did the director leave? I don't. Yeah. Okay, so the director did leave on the project. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that clearly. Yes, you're right. David Leitch also pulled from the project, um, electing to move to a Fall Guy for Universal. Okay. Wow. Fall Guy. So this gives Netflix the out to not do the movie at all now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, unless they want to put another star in Will's place, you know. Um, 
Um, and Amy Schumer finally mentioned, um, had a statement actually during one of her uh, comedy shows in Vegas. And um, she apparently is still tra- triggered and traumatized by it, but called Will Smith Ali during the comedy set. Uh, a reference to Will's performance as boxer Muhammad Ali. <laughs> And then she said, all of a sudden, Ali was making his way up, and it was a fucking bummer. All I can say that it was really sad, and I think says so much about tox- toxic masculinity. I don't know about that. I think it's just crazy. See, I don't know. I, I've lo- I've kind of like lost all interest in her. It's like her. She's just getting too woke into whatever now. You know what I mean? That's one like, thing you could say that, but she. It's one of those things where. It's just people making a big deal out of a minor issue. I mean, I don't think it was yeah. right what you did, but it's they're like making it seem like, oh, how are you traumatized by somebody getting slapped? It's not like you yeah. sit there and knocked his teeth out or something. And so, <laughs> she also talked about a joke she couldn't say at the Oscars about Alec Baldwin. Uh, she said, uh, "Don't look up" is the name of a movie, more like "Don't look down on the barrel of Alec Baldwin's shotgun." I wasn't allowed to say any of that. Uh, at the Oscars. I mean, yeah, within reason. But yeah, you can come up and slap someone, but I wasn't allowed to say any of that at the Oscars. <laughs> that's so funny. And speaking of Alec Baldwin, Match Game, um, a game show that he hosted since 2016, won't be returning to ABC's next season. So, um, there you go. Um, a result of the the controversy and sad sad accidental uh murder of helena hutchins um, by alex uh, shotgun um number 17 so this is man this really breaks my heart but bruce willis is forced to retire guys um as an actor he has to step away from acting after being diagnosed with aphasia a language disorder caused by brain damage that affects the person's ability to communicate willis's wife emma and her daughter do- and their daughters, along with ex-wife Demi Moore, along with Rumor, Willis, Scout, and Tallulah, um, all uh, revealed the diagnosis uh, together in a statement posted on social media. Um, and um, he does have one more project coming out. Uh, it's called Fortress Sniper's Eye with Jesse Metcalf and Chad Michael Murray. Um, and apparently... This will be uh, Bruce Willis's final film. Um, as you know, um, Will was the recipient of the Razzie Awards because he was, and I had a feeling, and he kept it probably tight-lipped that he had the you know symptoms of aphasia, which definitely affected his acting oh, ability. Um, and he was nominated for Worst Actor at the Razzies, and of course, they the Razzies made a statement to rescind that award. Which makes sense. Yeah. They said afterthought. Um, I thought there might have been something up because one of the I was I worked in a movie in Ohio where he was like labeled as a star, but he only filmed the day, and then they had like they only did all his scenes in one day, and everybody else just worked around it. Oh, okay. So I mean, I guess I mean I guess he started having issues then, but I don't. Yeah. That was about a year and a half ago. So. Yep. Or two, so. so basically, they said um, if someone has a medical condition is a factor in their performance or decision making we acknowledge that it's not appropriate to give them a razzie yeah. so 
After much thought and considerations, the Razzies have made a decision to rescind the Razzie Award given to Bruce Willis. Dave had um, eight performances because he had he did so much film, so many films. Um, they even had a worst performance by Bruce Willis category at the Razzies. So. Oh man. Yeah. So doing, near the end, he was doing a lot of movies. So it's like as I said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And actually, incidentally speaking, retiring Jim Carrey, who's promoting Sonic the Hedgehog 2, said that he's strongly thinking about retiring as well, um, but not for any medical reason. He just says he wants to take a break from acting. He's been content in his life and career and doing painting, spending time with his family. And uh, Trump might get elected again. He needs to start making more Trump paintings. Well, he he said that <laughs> it depends if because angels... that was his hobby, making Trump paintings. So. Right. He wants. He said it depends if angels bring some sort of script that's written in gold ink that's going to be really really important for people <laughs> to see. It's the only reason that he would return. <laughs> All right, number eighteen on my list: the Grammys, guys. Um, uh, doing a little bit better in the ratings. Um, eight point nine three million viewers. Compared to last year's 7.88 million viewers, and uh, um, some of just the uh, the winners um, don't need to go all over everybody. Maybe just the general categories, but um, for a record of the year, Silk Sonic leave the door open. Um, um, that was that I would consider a surprise. I haven't even heard of the artist part of it. Um, Song of the Year, Leave the Door Open, also. <laughs> Can you believe that one? Silk Sonic, of course, uh, the songwriters include Bruno Mars, among other people. Best New Artist, Olivia Rodrigo. So, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, I heard her was. Say it again? I was just being sarcastic. I was just saying, uh, I wonder when the last time I heard her was. Olivia Rodrigo, yes, you heard her here on BTV. Um, let's see, John B- Batiste, um, um, five wins the Grammys, which was considered a surprise, um, including Album of the Year, which was a surprise. Yes. Wow. Not at all. Yeah. Um, that I mean, Silk Sonic, John Batiste winning was considered a surprise. A snub was considered uh, Lil Nas X. Um, and um, a surprise was uh, Louis C.K. winning for Best Comedy Album after supposedly being canceled um, as one of the Me Too um, people because he liked to jerk off in front of women. I mean, guess that's uh, not the case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, BTS, Justin Bieber apparently uh, was considered a snub. That they did not win uh, for their respective categories, um, and um, what else? Um, and uh, just to talk about the performances because some of the performances were very amazing. Billie Eilish, I mean, I just think she's amazing. She actually had, wore a T-shirt uh, of uh, Taylor Hawkins, um, who we'd mentioned had passed away at the age of fifty. The legendary drummer behind Foo Fighters. Of course, Lady Gaga, another great performance, and even had an introduction by uh, legendary Tony Bennett. So it was great to see Lady Gaga on the stage and uh, 
course, Olivia Rodrigo performed. Um, but Foo Fighters, conspicuous by their absence, did not perform. So, yeah, you, you think they would do it for a tribute, but I figured a drummer is so such a necessary part of, of a performance. Well, the thing is people no, forget, that... Dave Grohl was a drummer. Dave Grohl could have filled in on the drums, and that would have been like really. Yeah, but but they're not going to perform. I mean, they've they've canceled the rest of their tour. They're exactly. not performing at all. So yeah. They're definitely not going to show up on the Grammys to perform. Right. I, I, mean, I just, have I just don't think they're ready. They're, they're going to do a, definitely do a, a tribute no. performance. Um, but because I they, mean, Taylor, they, Taylor's been with the band since day one. So, right. You know, exactly. even, and, 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 and most people don't know, Dave actually recorded a couple of the albums all by himself. So he doesn't, he's like Trent Reznor. He doesn't right. need the band. But he's not going to get up there and play the drums when you know Taylor just died, like you know. But do you Wednesday. think they should have did? They should have done some kind of tribute, maybe a nice acoustic set, you know, with the Foo Fighters. Oh, the Foo Fighters? Yeah. No, no. no? When you when yeah. you lose a band member after what is it, twenty years? Yeah, that is a long 20 time. Twenty plus years. Yeah, and it just happened what like a week ago. Yeah, right. There's there's no tribute performance. Like they're not going to perform for a very long time. Yeah. Because the first thing you're going to see is who's going to replace Taylor. And that, that shouldn't even be a thought right now. Yeah. I don't even think they've had the funeral yet. Oh, wow. That's a very good point. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any favorite performances at the Grammys, uh, Sean? I know you tuned in, yeah? Um, I mean, so, you know, Silk Sonic was, was pretty good. Uh, I don't know. It's, it felt like the Grammys were kind of... Uh, subdued is the best way I could put it this year. Yeah, a little bit because I think you it's know, just like... Maybe Nas. I think was. Nas was really good. Nas is good. Let's not forget Bruno Mars' opener, too. That was pretty strong. Yeah. And, of course... I'm surprised uh, that the the Brothers Osborne closed the show. That's another surprise, yeah? Like, they were just... They were kind of just there. You know, like usually when you close the show with some big act or some big, you know, duo yeah. or something like that, conglomeration, like this, they, and, it was just like, very okay. Up, very upbeat did, and just like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, who didn't perform yet? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. Yeah. It was a very, um, yeah, a lackluster ending, basically. Yeah. And I like the Brothers Osborne, but it was just, they were the wrong people, I think, to close the show out. Well, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who probably would have uh, been a great closer. I mean, Justin Bieber, I thought he did a great performance. Um, he he might have been uh, a pick, um, but maybe BTS. And, you know, BTS is very popular. Right. They're upbeat. But that that, that show's got to start including some rock music into it. Yeah, that's I, I don't understand that you can't find a rock band to perform on a show. About music. Not the biggest, has biggest a, stage. Album coming out, so it's like, why not just use Metallica? I mean, they're legends. I mean, usually the performers have all been nominated artists. So um, I don't know who was in the rock category along with Foo Fighters. I know Foo Fighters um, were nominated or maybe even won. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Kind of crazy, but. Uh, Let's move on. Number 19. Um, 
it's tied into the Grammys because Travis Barker had a, a quite an amazing performance at the Grammys. But uh, the next day, him and Kourtney Kardashian got married. Uh, yeah, surprise ceremony in Las Vegas on Monday, April 4th, the day after the Grammys at the One Love Wedding Chapel. Wow, they did it like like uh, elope style. Like a type of wedding. Right, right. Um, so the couple has yet to obtain an official marriage license, but yeah, right, literally hours right after the Grammys. Um, and uh, of course the whole family was there. Um and Courtney's children, Travis's kids. Um, wow, now they have a big family. <laughs> Between Courtney's kids and Travis's kids. Um, well, interesting. Was married to Lamar Odom, or was that she married to that rich? No, that was uh, that was uh, which Kardashian was that? Chloe. Chloe oh, okay. Kardashian. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Courtney's the only one that dates white guys. I think the okay. rest of the. Yeah, she was the guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Kim, Chloe, uh, Ky- uh, Kylie, and 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 uh, I think they all like the brothers. So they all like basketball players. That's what they like. Yeah, well, the brothers in general, you know. I mean, Travis Scott, you know, is with uh, yeah. Kylie, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. and he's he's not a basketball player. He's a rapper. So she cheated on him with like Kyrie Irving. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like Kyrie Irving's a basketball player. Uh, <laughs> all right so i think because we are talking about number 20 and it's everything from wrestlemania weekend let's okay. go ahead and play the theme song of our beloved chunk shady right we haven't heard this song in a while right i know right hold on i'm about to switch over all right here we go sean cradles theme music it is time for the wrestling news with chunk shady don't hate the player, hate the game. I have to play that for good measure, man. <laughs> Sean, good oh, to have you to so talk great. about WWE's biggest weekend, which... Yes, I was wait, in. Wait, the, uh, you need to bring this up to Al because Al was there. I was there, but Sean is the wrestling expert. Um, which we were, we got some, we got something to share at the end of the program, which is pretty cool news about a project that myself and Sean worked on. But uh, let's talk about WWE. Um, uh, so yes, let's start with the Hall of Fame that took place on Friday night. Uh, first yes. of all, why the hell are they squeezing in Hall of Fame and SmackDown on the same night? That doesn't make any sense. No, and I think it's because they just didn't realize they compacted like five events in three days. That's a lot. They have Thursday. They have Tuesday. I mean, they there's. But they didn't. But they didn't use Thursday at all. Like Friday was SmackDown the Hall of Fame. Well, usually don't they? Saturday and Saturday. Well, don't they usually use Thursday for the Hall of Fame? Then they get a SmackDown. Then they get. They usually have to use Thursday in the past. So I'm not sure what happened. I believe it might have been NXT uh, in previous years. Well, no. See, this this is the first year you got to remember. So last year, uh, the Hall of Fame got canceled. Yeah. Right. Uh, two years ago, everything got canceled. <laughs> yep. So the last time they did it wasn't was 
35 in New York when in WrestleMania it was only one. So now that WrestleMania is two days, everything got moved. And this is the first time they had to figure out, okay, what the hell do we do with the Hall of Fame? So right. they figured, okay, since we're already here, might as well just keep everybody for SmackDown and just stay late. That's wow. And stayed late they did. Um, and hence, you only five people in seven. Yes. And I think they should probably stick to five because the speeches do tend to run long. But let's talk about some of the highlights. Uh of the Hall of Fame, of course, um, starting with the Steiner brothers. Um, I was shocked on that one because I thought Scott would never be allowed back in the WWE no matter what. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Sean? Did he? Did uh, Scott have a little bit of heat? A, a little bit. Uh, at one point, his picture was on the wall on the, the do not let in list. Wow. Sean, why does um, Scott Steiner have heat with the WWE? Well, the issue, uh, plenty of issues. Um, him, you know, refusing uh, wellness testing, saying other people should take it before him. Uh, <laughs> there's, you know, some issues that he had with, you know, storylines and performers and producers and and other things. Uh, and then all, he also, I believe, trademarked the name Steiner. So that caused an issue uh, with the newest member of the family who just happens to be there. And they wanted to name him Steiner. And that can't happen if somebody else owns the copyright. So what? Hence, you got uh, Braun, Braun Breaker. Breaker. Of, uh, so, so he's kind of like the, the future of WWE, I guess. And somebody that yes, he is. loves. Do you think it's because Braun Breaker is a star and the NXT champion, they were willing to forgive Scott Steiner. Yes. One hundred percent. And the, and you strike while the iron is hot. And look, if you've got the sun in there, that's how you break through to get to dad and uncle. And that's exactly what they did. And if you watched NXT this week, uh, the story doesn't end. So looks All like right. the Steiner family is going to be sticking around for a while. Oh, that's awesome, man. Good to hear. Yeah, I haven't tuned into it yet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they did, they teased during the, um, the speech, the induction speech, uh, that Scott with a live mic is not a good idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, how many times company. did he say he wanted to kill Vince or Hulk Hogan? Did he really threaten Vince in Hulk Hogan's life? Like was in the airport once day and Hulk Hogan had to call the police cause he, he thought Scott Steiner was going to kill him. Well, it's interesting because he said, uh, Braun Breaker said, I'm going to take the biggest risk of my career and hand the mic over to my Uncle Scott. That's <laughs> <As> the answer <laughs> is. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously it wouldn't make sense to put just Rick Steiner in, so they have to go in as a, as a no. tag team. Yeah. And they so, deserve to be in. And they deserve to be in. All right, moving on. Queen Charmel, um, probably one of the more surprising inductees, um, considering... Oh, other than two years of Booker T, uh, Booker T's valet, I mean, did she really pave the way? You know, what do you think, Sean? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it listen. It, it's a stretch. Um, I mean, yeah, she got you know she got in, and you got to remember she also was in TNA too. So it's not right. like WWE was her only stop, and she did stuff there, and she did stuff in WCW too. So. 
she's had a career. I just, you know, Hall of Fame career. Um, there's still other people I believe that should be in. <laughs> so I don't know if they just didn't reach out or they said right. no, whatever. Like, why is Victoria not in yet? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, who knows, man? Who knows? There's a few. There's a few that, uh, yeah. Uh, Miss Elizabeth for one, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, Booker exactly. King, and I thought that they were going to put her in and macho at the same time, but you know, that made I, no I feel like right. Elizabeth's going to be forgotten and she's never getting it. I mean, maybe they're doing to appease Booker T because he's already a two-time Hall of Famer. He even said, yeah, now I get to duck well, a third person, you know. Yeah, he got family. his brother in there, and now he's got his uh, his wife in there. Right, right. Um, and give it up for Charmel for thanking the Nitro girls uh, for, for starting her career. All right, the Warrior Award recipient was Shad Gaspard. Um, and we talked about this last week. Um, we are talking when he was just announced as the warrior award recipient, but uh, a true hero uh, telling the lifeguards to save his son uh, over himself uh, because he was swept out to sea um, in a really bad riptide. Um, Oh man, it's so, so super sad, but uh, Shad um, Gaspard's wife and son were in the ring uh, initially accompanied by JTG. I'm surprised JTG didn't say anything on the mic. Um, but um, definitely, definitely very deserving. Um, I know that, um, you know, J- JTD, J, sorry. I know that Shad, didn't he not stop a bank rob, a bank robber or something? Or? Something like that. Yeah. I can't remember the whole story. Right. Right. So he, he's a true hero, man. So very deserving, man. Um, very, very sad. Uh, another posthumous um, induction is Vader. Um, and I think, this same, is, I think they should have just put him in when he was still alive. I mean, absolutely. A long time, and they just I had a beef with him. I guess. They were dragging their feet with Vader for but, some reason. Yeah. But they have a tendency to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they, Macho Man went in after he died. Right. Well, Macho, I heard wouldn't go in if they didn't put his dad or his brother in. So they were like, we're not going to put you in until. Yeah, but there, you know, there are a number of people. China didn't go in until after she died. So right, right. You See? know, it, it, some of the decisions are just just crazy, but yeah. definitely, definitely well deserved. And of course, we saw his son Jesse White. Is Jesse White a, a worker? I believe he is. Right? He John? was. Yes, he was in NXT. Okay. Uh, a long time ago, and, and NXT. Forget the, you know, like the original NXT. Like while you know before the network. <laughs> so right. he he was on that for a long time, but he just never got promoted. He never got brought up to the main roster. Gotcha. All right, the Undertaker. Wow, this is the marquee name for the Hall of Fame, guys. Um, a very long speech, but he deserved every minute of that of that time. Of course, he has so many people to thank. Um, he spoke about Vince McMahon, and he got really emotional. It was, it was interesting to see. The Undertaker, or Mark Calloway, as he was for the first time mentioned on WWE program, <laughs> programming by his real name, got really, really emotional with some of the things that he was saying on stage, didn't he? Yeah, he did, man. I mean, look, he played that character for, what, 30-plus years? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? I mean, nobody else could have done that character. You know, who would have thought it would have lasted that long? Right. You know, and and yeah, man, I mean, you get emotional over that stuff when you know that this is it and this is it. 
then yeah. Even though he did say never say never. So he did and would never say never. And as you know, Edge returned to the ring pretty much full time after being inducted to the Hall of Fame after he had to retire for an injury. So that's the thing. It's never say never in, in the world of wrestling. What about Stone Cold? That we're gonna get well, don't jump the gun just yet. We're gonna get there, bro. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but yes, what else? He yeah, what else can we say about the speech? I mean, he had to thank Paul Bearer, of course. And what's very interesting, he actually thanked um someone that uh I was surprised to hear, and that's the Godfather. Um and he talked Wait, why about why were you surprised to hear that? Well well, I knew they were friends, but uh he said he was one of the most influential people in his life, and not necessarily for a good reason. I guess he was kind of like a bad influence. Maybe he took them on the road. They partied a lot, went to strip clubs. That's what I'm guessing. Well, no, I mean, those two go way back to, like, world class. Ah, so, okay. You know, oh, cool. like, they've been in, they were in Texas together, and they pretty much came through that in USWA. Wow. And so by the time they both got to WWE, I mean, they had already been friends for, like, five to six years. Okay. I didn't and now you was... add 30 more years to it. It's like, yeah, wow. those two are, like, lifelong brothers, you know? That's kind of cool. Um, yeah. And even though they, 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 I mean, they had their ma- matches, uh, mostly as uh, Papa Shango, right? The gimmick that. <laughs> and, and why he was Kama Mustafa, too. Kama Mustafa, and he had some yeah. matches with his best but friend. But the Godfather but... never had a match with the other. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> that would have been interesting to see. What's he going to uh, offer? To, oh, actually, he may have offered The Undertaker the hose once. Tra- <laughs> <laughs> I missed that gimmick. It's one of my favorite gimmicks in WWE. Um, and, you know, of course, he had to thank his, his family, you know, um, all his kids. His kids are so cute. Michelle McCool, his wife. Um, and, of course, um, interestingly enough, um, he also talked about um, how Vince uh, and WWE, if they loved him, why did they put him through all these crazy matches? <laughs> <laughs> a casket match, a buried alive match, an inferno match. <laughs> I don't think he ever forgave Bruce Pritchard for Giant Gonzalez either. So yes, Gonzalez, Punjabi prison match, a damn near kill all of us. All right, let's go on to WrestleMania, guys. Night one, I was uh, man to be there live, guys. And Sean, you've been to WrestleMania, of course, and a at that of them, yeah. at that particular stadium as well, right? The pa- the past yes, club. yep, for uh, thirty-two. What? What a stadium for WrestleMania! I think it's, it's just that the, the acoustics, the, the the fact that it's also um, an indoor stadium with a, a retractable roof. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I think to get the acoustics right for wrestling, it really has to be. And if you have to do a stadium, it has to be one that's covered, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that stadium is made for WrestleMania, and I guarantee you they're going to host probably three more. I mean, it's it's the perfect spot. It's yes. perfect to get in and out of. I mean, you know, it, it's and you know, it's it's Texas, and they they yeah. show out for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, only difference is when I went, there was a hundred thousand people there. So I'll tell you, the stadium uh, to go in that club level was very because we our seats were club level. Um, it was it was beautiful. I mean, it was really upscale. Um, they had in the club level. Uh, different food vendors from other areas. So you had some of the more foodie type of foods like sushi and Texas barbecue and um, po' boys <laughs> and like poblano grilled cheese sandwiches, which 
you're going the other sections, you're only getting nachos with cheese whiz and hot dogs. You know what I mean? So I was very happy to be in club level, <laughs> number one. Uh, but number two, it's just the, 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 the crowd was just really into it. And just to be there um, was just phenomenal. So let's just talk about the card, guys. Um, all right. Um, well, the broadcast opened with... <laughs> a more of a melancholy rendition of America the Beautiful. I don't think it was as great as Night Two. <laughs> I think I think Brantley uh, Gilbert might have had an off day. I don't know. I, I heard some pitchiness. So um, it, was but, more, it was more than pitchy. It was more than pitchy. <laughs> Did he mess up the words too? No, no. It was just kind of dull. It's dull, little, right? Very dull. N- not a good rendition. So sorry, Brantley fans, but no, not good. But I think that's really uh, the only, probably the worst thing about night one of <laughs> WrestleMania. Everything else was stellar, guys. Let's start with the matches. Um, well, of course, the result of Rick Boogs. Um, but the Usos versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Of course, Rick Boogs su- suffering a really bad injury. Legit injury to his patella. Yeah, you got to feel sorry for anybody that gets injured, period. Mm-hmm. When you get injured at WrestleMania, and I can't even remember anybody ever being injured at WrestleMania. So this might be the first time, and oh, wow. that was yeah. pretty pretty bad to see. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's a long recovery for something like that, right? A, a, a displaced patella? Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, you're going to at least six months to a year. Oh, my God. So yeah, maybe you could be in the... That could look rough. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, playing guitar in the corner to Shinsuke while that happens, and... Uh, it's unfortunate because he did that fireman's carries to both Usos and was trying to upstage the previous, uh, you know, acts of strength by carrying yeah. two Usos. And that's like pretty much that's. I mean, that's yeah. almost 400 pounds. Right. You know, that's a, that's a little too much, man. I mean, no, sorry. Over 400, like 450. So, yeah. right. Yeah. Way, way too much. Um, couldn't handle it. But the Usos retained the tag titles. I'm wondering if the match was rushed, I'm guessing, but were the Usos probably already scheduled to win? I imagine they were already... I believe they were scheduled to retain the tag titles, yeah. I think they just went straight to the finish, which is what you should do in an event of an injury. Exactly. So the Usos retained that one. We also saw Drew McIntyre defeat Happy Corbin, and of course, this is Corbin's first loss as his new persona. Yes. Um, and the first person to ever kick out of end of days. That's never happened either. Oh, wow. That's a very good point. Yep. Interesting. I didn't know nobody has kicked out of end of days. Not even Roman Reigns. Who oh, was the last man. person to beat Roman Reigns, by the way, was Baron Corbin. No way. I didn't realize that. In what? 2019. Yes, that's how that's, long it's been. The last loss was to Corbin? Wow. That's crazy. But nonetheless, McIntyre wins. I think McIntyre is on his way to the title pitcher, I think. I'm guessing. You would guess right, I think. And we've only seen Drew versus Roman once at Survivor Series. So I I think we're going to see maybe a a, a feud built up. I mean, who else is there left? You know, (laughs) but (laughs) oh, you'll get to that person later. We'll get to that person later. All so right. What is the what is the status of Roman Reigns right now, too? Because his, did you see his arm? He looked rough. I mean, that looked like a legitimate injury when I saw it. Oh, you mean that Brock put the Kimura on for real? <laughs> no, I mean, I yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Do you... I mean, as far as I know, um, 
they haven't said anything about an injury. Uh, so injury, he's you, probably going to take it light for a while. Titles above his head, so there was definitely some kind of injury there. Yeah. Well, just well he was there Monday. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think he's going to be okay, but we'll get to that a little later. We're trying to go in order here. Um, let's see. The Mysterios versus Miz and Logan Paul. The Miz and Logan Paul win, and let's just say Logan Paul could be one of the best celebrity WWE workers. Uh, would you guys agree that he's probably oh, he one of the best? Oh, he definitely gets it. He, he definitely gets it. He understands how to be a heel. Right. He understands what to do in that ring, when to do it. He was in there to make the save. Uh, you know, the moves were crisp. Like, he, you know, as far as, if you want to say celebrity goes, I, I give him top five, definitely. I put Bad Bunny, Stephen Amell. Nah, I was going to say Bad Bunny may have set the, you know, the standard. The bar. Stephen Amell because, is up there. Pat McAfee's up there. Yeah, and we'll get to that. Well, if you want to include Pat, I, Pat McAfee may not be a celebrity anymore. So, you know. Well, like he's one of he's one of the boys now. I mean, this isn't this this isn't his first match. I mean, he fought at a pole and he fought in war games. So that's true. I, you know, I don't really consider a celebrity there. But well, we'll get into that one a little later. But it was good to yeah. see um, our boy Miz win uh, along with Logan Paul. But we, what we were surprised to see was Miz turn on Logan Paul, which is probably the setup of an upcoming match between the two of them, right? Mm-hmm. I would imagine. No, I think it's just to say goodbye to Logan Paul. <laughs> really? I would, like to, I would love to see more of Logan Paul. You think this is it for Logan Paul in WWE? He might show up again maybe for SummerSlam, but he ain't going to be there every week. I see. Okay. Yeah. But how about, here's the important thing. How about Logan Paul walking down to the ring with over $5 million around his neck? In jewelry? Did, did you miss that part? I didn't realize it cost that much money, but I didn't notice the jewelry. So he had an extremely rare Pokemon card oh, yeah. that was on his neck that cost what? over $5 million. And, Polly, I know you know Pokemon because we, yeah, we all saw it and Taylor over, saw it, too. He spent $5 million on it. What, what makes that particular Pokemon so rare and expensive? Um, because before Pokemon was popular, I mean, I got Pokemon when it first came out because I the business I'm in. And... um. First edition Pokemon were just impossible to get. Like, unless you bought it just ahead of time, just for the sake of buying it, nobody knew the first edition stuff would be good. Because I mean, that was before, once it became popular, like through the roof. But nobody really. Wow, that was that's crazy that he was running that Pokemon. Mine's like in worse shape than that one. That was a PSA ten. Mine's probably a PSA two or PSA three. Okay, well, what's what's the value on the one that you you own? I mean, mine's probably about maybe six to ten thousand just for the condition. Wow, you have a Pokemon card worth six to ten thousand. Is it on sale at the shop? Yeah. Wow, six to ten thousand dollars. Woo! You got to put that one in the the very secure glass case, right? (laughs) (laughs) The vault. (laughs) Holy shit! All right, moving on to the card, and probably arguably one of the best matches of night one: Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Wow. Phenomenal match, guys. I mean, could have main evented the show. Could have main evented, and I really feel like one of the women's title matches should have been on the, another night to yeah, balance it out. That would make more sense. Yeah, but um, yeah, I was surprised they put both of them on the same night. But. Me too. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you got to put the the married couple or the couple of Seth Rollins and uh, 
Uh, no, you Becky don't. Lynch on the same night. No, I guess not. not. Like they're, it's not like they're traveling to another that's, that's town. A good, that's a very right. good point. True. One True. can watch the baby while the other one's working. That's a very good point. <laughs> Instead, they had back-to-back matches. That's good. That's a good point. <laughs> but we did see Bian- Bianca Belair win the Raw Women's Championship, so she will have a lot of baby time. Maybe she's taking a break. I don't know if Becky's taking a little break or not. We'll have to she ain't see. taking a break. <laughs> All right. Yes, I guess to our next... Our next match, guys, Seth Rollins versus a mystery opponent chosen by Vince McMahon turned out to be none other, none other than Cody Rhodes. Guys, what a pop to be in that stadium to hear the pop of the crowd was deafening. Um, and it's it's amazing because not everybody that watches WWE watches AEW, but I guess they remember Cody from his previous stint in WWE. You mean when he was a Stardust? When he was Stardust, right, right. And he and, was Cody. You Rose. saw you saw him kind of kill Stardust off in the middle right. of that match, right? But wow, what what a debut, guys! Um, just phenomenal debut uh, by Cody and it, and Rhodes. It, and it's a smart move by Vince McMahon because he brought in Cody Rhodes exactly the same way he was in AEW. Yeah. I Think was about shocked. that. That yes. character was created in AEW, including the entrance music, and he bought now, all of that. How is he able to use that entrance music? Because Cody himself owns the rights? Well, yeah, Cody. and the band that performs it is the same band that does the Miz's music and everybody else. So, yeah, oh. that band's got a lot of uh, uh, of wrestling music out there already. So, oh, well, of there course, they're going to allow WWE to use it. Oh, wow. That's great. And uh, I almost feel like I was watching AEW for a second because I was hearing that music. <laughs> um, but, the, but the thing is, with Cody, does he also give the added thing of being a writer and a booker? Because, I mean, I already did some no. writing and booking. No. That. No. In, in, in WWE, there's no performer that's, that has anything to do with whatever Vince McMahon is doing. That's, well, the that's thing is, I thought maybe they would give him a shot just because of what he did starting AEW, and uh, he's never like. I mean, he he. That's why he left AEW in the first place is because they that was taken away from him. Well, if you if you've listened to what Cody's had to say recently, I think it all got to him, man. It was like you know he. I think he just wants to be a performer again. Yeah, it's a it's a whole different ball game when you are the executive vice president because every single person wants to talk to you. Yeah, it was probably getting. It was probably a little much. It was probably overwhelmed. Yeah. And uh, he also, I think, had a different vision for AEW that Tony Khan has. So, right. You know, remember this is all before they start bringing guys in, and now yeah. they're bringing in a lot of ex WWE guys, and you know, it's maybe the vision like- that they had for AEW when they started isn't the same as it is now. Yeah. What did you think though of the match, guys? I thought it was oh, outstanding. They've always yeah. had great chemistry. If you go back to, you know, when Cody fought Seth, when they were, he was in the shield. I mean, they've had great chemistry, so they just really brought it out. And that crowd was ready for it. They were definitely. Ready. I didn't realize they had faced each other previously uh, in, the, in the WWE, but glad you reminded me. So I'm going to have to check out that match on YouTube. But, yeah, great to see Oh, that. it's great. It's Cody and Dustin against the Shield with Dusty Rhodes in the corner. You, you're going to see one of the biggest pops ever in that match. Oh, cool. It's the last, it out. It's the last time Dusty gets physical, and he drops a bionic elbow on Dean Ambrose. Yeah. But, Paul, if you want to know the main motivation, I think that speech that he did on Raw was legit, that 
Dusty fought for the title in 1977 against superstar Billy Graham. He held the title, he but, but he never won it. And I he think that's kind of his motivation uh, to, to maybe make the Rhodes name a WWE champion. Well, like, even the first time I saw Cody, I mean, he was really well-spoken. Like, I mean, because he inducted his dad in the Hall of Fame, and, like, he wasn't even a wrestler for the WWE at the time. All right. All right, moving up to the, the two main events for night one. Ronda Rousey challenging Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown women's title. And I have to say, this was a surprise for me. The uh, We saw Charlotte Flair retain. Um, usually they bring in Ronda Rousey to, you know, to kick ass and, and to win titles and then to eventually lose it when she wants to take her break. But no, we saw Charlotte Flair retain the title. Were you surprised to see Charlotte uh, win? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think anybody saw this one coming. I didn't. No, maybe, think any... maybe that's the point because I mean I think everybody and their brother was like Ronda's going to get the belt and they're just going to take it back off and they're just going to have another belt and here and there and that's about it. Right. But you know, I thought it, I thought it was a great match. I would put it a hair lower than the Becky Bianca match. But it's still agree. very, but it's still very exciting. It's still still very good. And, and I'm a big Ronda fan, so it was good to see her back, you know, yeah. um, and see, you know, Ronda's. I love Ronda's style, bringing her UFC style over to WWE, gives it a little, uh, you know, some legitimacy, you know. Oh, they had, they had a, they told a great story in their match. It was like hold for counter hold, you know, yes. like who had the best yep. move and absolutely. absolutely. It was definitely it was that de- it was designed to be different than what you saw from Becky and Bianca. Right, right. Um, but you're right. I wish they were on different nights. Yep. Flair uh, inadvertently knocked the ref over, which meant that he couldn't signal for the bell when Flair tapped out to Rousey's arm, uh, arm bar. Instead, Flair so, pitted Rousey for the win and retained her championship. So she's got so. a gripe. She's got a gripe. She's which got means a gripe. rematch. <laughs> Let's see that rematch. All right, guys. So we thought this was the last wrestling match of the night, and we're just going to be treated to the KO show with like a few beers and you know f bombs or <laughs> uh, you know sign language or whatever. But no, we got a fucking match, guys. Can you believe Stone Cold after 19 years wrestles at WrestleMania 38? Um, Answering to uh, Kevin Owens' challenge that's that he said he we came here for a fight, not to just talk on the microphone on the KO show, but dude, we saw a legit match. Did any yeah. of you think see that coming? No, well, I mean, I heard he was training, but I didn't realize that he would be able to do that much. I thought it would just be like a stunner, and then he walks out the ring, and it was a lot better than that. Nah, no, it, dude, it's WrestleMania. You know he was gonna. If he's going to be, first of all, it's WrestleMania. It's in Texas. Uh, If he's coming out there, he's giving one, as they say, one last run, one last time, one last can of whoop ass. And he definitely delivered it. And it was, uh, I think the fans were, listen, you watched that. And and Al, you were there. For all those wrestlers who think that they are over, that's being over. (laughs) 
Yes. When that when that glass when the glass broke and Austin walked <laughs> down to the ring, yeah, yep. that being over. So yeah, yeah. For all, for all those other guys that think that they're number one or whatever, no, Austin can come back and still take it over. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. kudos to Kevin. You got to give Kevin Owens credit too, man, because uh, he made Stone Cold look like a million bucks. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, Kevin Owens, I think, is probably one of the best workers on the roster today. And I think anyone could have a phenomenal match with him. But uh, but also at 57 years old um, and still in great shape um, and still mm-hmm. uh, was able to do many of the same of the signature moves that we saw in his prime, you know? Yeah. So I was really happy to see that. And of course, Stone Cold gets the win after celebratory uh steve weisers um as uh yeah the show went off the air for night one so uh definitely very exciting and we go to night two guys sunday um i got some decent rest i really needed a good rest um so i didn't i didn't party we're all starving so i went to um a local pizza shop slash bar that stayed open for late night pizza thank god that exists in texas um but uh i was gonna say they have a bunch of great places you could have went that's down. What I'm well yeah that's true but in and out, you could have went to like in and out burger how how often are how many are open late though you know uh, that's a good point but when i was there <laughs> there, was some, there was stuff that was open there's stuff late, open uh, open out okay cool cool yeah well nonetheless i got some good rest after some good eats uh and then of course um have to mention a couple cool touristy things that I did in, in Dallas before we get to night two. Um, before I went to WrestleMania night two, I got to check out the Sixth Floor Museum, which is a very historical museum where um, it chronicles JFK's assassination. Uh, oh, in the actual, did you go to the spot where he was shot? Not that, but I went to the exact building where the museum's located, which okay. is where... Lee Harvey Oswald was pointing the gun towards uh, JFK. So it's in the exact building, the Dealey Plaza. Uh, I wish I had known you were going because I would have told you. They have an X on the street where he was shot. You can see it. And is that considered, is that called the Grassy Knoll? No, no, that the Grassy Knoll was across the street. Okay, Grassy Knoll is across the street. Okay, but there's an actual X. Okay. That that I, I was not privy to. Okay. Um, prior to uh, um, WrestleMania, I also got to check out the da- Dallas Museum of Art, mm-hmm. which is really, really awesome. Picasso's, Monet's, some really, really classic uh, modern art, and of course, some some great historical art as well from all over the country. Right across the street from the Dallas Museum of Art is the Fairmount da- Dallas, where the WrestleCon convention took place, and it was great. If you heard the oh. opening promo... Enzo Amore, Enzo, yes, uh, cut the most amazing promo for Below the Belt Show. You heard it here at the beginning of the program, and it was great to meet uh, Brooke Hogan. I was excited to meet Tony Storm, and I was really excited uh, to meet the Iconics. Um, the Iconics were two of the hold on, Paul. The Iconics were two of the famous, the probably two of the most surprising releases. Because I thought they were phenomenal. I mean, they're they look great. I thought they were great workers, but apparently not enough to keep their jobs with WWE. But I was really, really excited to meet them. Yeah, um, Paul, you're about to say something. There's been a lot of rumors that Henry Storm was uh, drunk at the WrestleCon. 
No, she looked pretty sober and beautiful to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see any. I didn't, didn't see, see any. That, you didn't see that interview where she like somebody asked her a question. She was just like out she of it. Didn't, she didn't seem incoherent to me when I met her. No. Um, but I should mention now that uh, because of Sean, you know, Sean being uh, on the panel, I got to run into some of our fellow co-stars Uh-oh. from The Realtor, uh, a feature film that myself and Sean uh, uh, are working on as wrestling commentators. And we saw RVD, um, Sergeant Slaughter, <laughs> and, Jake Jake the Roberts, and Jake the Snake okay. Roberts. And uh, interestingly enough, I told, uh, I was talking to Sergeant Slaughter uh well, which is go out to our buddy Lion Beckwith. He plays uh, the lead actor in um, The Realtor. He was in the hospital, uh, but I believe he's released. He got um, surgery to take care of a blood clot issue. Um, and thank God, I, I think he's going to be okay, which is great. And he's home now. So uh, well wishes and um, speedy recovery to Lion Beckwith. But I told Sergeant Slaughter that, and he actually got on the phone. And wished Lion well, and, and Lion was really happy to hear that Sergeant Slaughter uh, reached out to Lion, you know, which was really cool. And then when I talked to RVD, it was really cool. He's like, "I'll see you at the red carpet." Um, he Damn says, right. "Yeah." He said, I'm, "He said he, he said he's uh, done in shooting his scenes, but Sarge has about five more scenes to shoot, I think." Um, okay. But uh, what what a cool film! Don't other people have more scenes to shoot? Oh yes, yes, we have we have more scenes to shoot too. <laughs> What, what a what a cool project, Sean. Shameless plug, right? Shameless. Yeah. Plug. Did you enjoy yourself on set? Yes. And we're not yeah. done. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, definitely, man. Uh, you know, my, the uh, second wrestling movie that I've been a part of. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think I like your chances on 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 making making the final edit of this one. Yeah. Right. Let's hope. Yeah. Let's avoid versus, the cutting room floor. But versus, hey, that last uh, one was announcement. Hey. I'm good. I'm a good luck charm. The last one got nominated for an Academy Award, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see how it was with the realtor, yeah. There you All go. Right. There you go. All right. And of course, that was just a little sidetrack. Uh, but Texas <laughs> is a city. Yeah, yeah we got to put ourselves over, Al. We got to pull ourselves over. And I also got a shout out to my buddy Christian Rivera. In, in the, my, I got to put a shout out to my buddy Christian Rivera from Baltimore, who mm-hmm. moved to Los Angeles and joined um, an amazing band who had a quite a great following called the world over they opened mm. up for power man 5000 at a venue called really? Treats. yeah are you familiar with power man 5000 wait power man 5000 is still together yeah yeah wow. no way they did when worlds collide and they also if, if for wrestling purposes they did the theme song for the dudley boys the dudley boys there you go so there you go there's another wrestling tie-in but uh, my buddy's band, The World Over, uh, opened up for him. So uh, it was cool okay. to see that show on Friday night. I skipped the Hall of Fame. Didn't want to uh, get too saturated wrestling the whole trip. So I was glad to do uh, some cool stuff. And if you ever go to that deep Elm area of Dallas, you got to stop by um, Sirius Pizza. One slice is literally the size of a pizza box. Um, <laughs> we're talking about the home of the giant slice. And uh, it was... Yeah. Absolutely delicious. One slice, and that's all you need. You're good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> delicious pizza, guys. Yeah. All right, let's get back to WrestleMania night two, buddy. All right, so let's. Uh, of course, the um, the opening was a little bit better, Sean. Right, Jesse James Decker. With they America picked the a better singer. Yes. Yes, much better performance. So that was good. That was starting off on a positive note. 
And then we're surprised by Triple H. Uh, Triple H's music hits and uh, Paul Levesque. Um, of course, we talked about his life-threatening health scare, which he had to retire from WWE. Um, did something very similar to what The Undertaker did a while back, right, Sean? put leave, Left his boots in the middle of the ring, right? Yeah, well, I mean, he said on Stephen A. Smith's show that he was done. You know, people are like, nah, you're not done. But he's got, a, I believe, a defibrillator. A defibrillator in his in his you, chest. You know, so it's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, it's probably not a good idea to get hit. So, uh, right, yeah, he's uh, yeah, that that was official right there. He's definitely done. I, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if he's the headliner for next year's Hall of Fame. Right, it's either gonna be him or Batista, or maybe both. Who knows? Or both. Yep, yep. Because Batista didn't get his shot after they canceled the Hall of Fame. Did they ever do the? Yeah, I guess they can't do it with Ric Flair now because he's in trouble. What, what did you? Evolution, but Ric Flair, like he's probably. Oh, Evolution! I think oh, that's God, in the future. No. Evolution might happen in the future, <laughs> but I think we're going to get an individual Batista. Um, well, you wouldn't get it because there's no way Randy Orton's going in while he's still there. So no. <laughs> oh, okay, that's another good point too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, it'd, it'd be too soon. Well, speaking of Randy Orton, that was the opening match. Uh, Randy Orton and Riddle. Um, successfully de- defended their tag team championship against uh, Chad Gable and Otis and mm-hmm. Ford and Andrew and Dawkins, Profits. the Street Profits. Yeah. Um, and uh, very, How about the aftermath? Very fun match. But then we saw, yes, new signee, Gabe Stevenson, uh, Olympic gold medalist, correct? Gold medalist? Yeah. Yes. Um, Gabe, and and. He just won the NCAA uh, NCAA winner as well. Right, right. I wonder if he's going to wrestle Leah Thomas, the swimmer. No, I'm just joking. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> you, I'm te- then you to Al. No, so <laughs> no it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. All right. So <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we saw like a little bit of the start of a few. Maybe, maybe Chad will... Maybe uh, Chad will have a feud with Gabe Stevenson, which would make sense to have. Um, now, now, what are Chad's uh, two two Olympians going at it? So he's an Olympian as well, Chad Gable. Okay, yeah, is he a gold he medalist? Oh, I should not, know that. I'm answer. not sure if he's a gold medalist, but I can't remember if he won the gold. But but I would love to see a great match between the two of them and with with that with that amateur uh, style wrestling to kind of you know um, yeah just something a little refreshing, you know. And Kurt Angle as referee. And Kurt Angle as referee. There you go. That would be amazing. All right, moving on. Bobby Lashley versus Omos. Woo, all right. So, uh, you know, um, I don't know. How about Lashley ending the undefeated streak? Yeah, if defeating, uh, uh, yeah, I mean. Almost I've never been pinned, so. His name is Jordan Omobehan. That's what uh, Omos' real name is. He played Division One college basketball. Mm-hmm. He's a legit seven foot three. Um, still very green. Yeah. No, I think he's, not not as much as he used to be, but not as much as he used to be. Okay, I still think he still so, shows some sign of green. He, he he's got to get in the ring with the people that can help him, and Bobby can help. Yeah. Paul, he's more agile than Kali. He's more agile than Kali. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but he's a big dude. And if, and if you saw him Monday night, he's got a new manager. 
Yes. Well, let's let's uh, yeah, let's segue to that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, shockingly, um, MVP turned on Lashley. Um, I guess because he Lashley stated that he didn't need MVP. Did he actually say that? I don't remember him actually saying that. No, he he didn't say that. But he went out there without him and beat him without MVP. So the okay. the implication is he didn't need him. <laughs> right. And, MVP took exception to that and said, okay, well, I got something for you. <laughs> I guess there we're going to see a rematch between the two of them. So let's just say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> still banged up, MVP. Who's can still banged yet? Can MVP still wrestle? Sean, can MVP still work? Yes, but I know his knee is not 100%. So. Knew he it's the reason why he it's the reason why he walks out there with the cane because he kind of needs it because the knee is not a hundred percent but he can still work right um moving on to the next match mm-hmm. Sammy Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville wow so this is pretty much the jackass movie in a WWE ring <laughs> yeah, <it's> a- <laughs> because we saw hey. not only Johnny but we saw uh, Wee Man, we saw Chris Pontius, and um, yeah, we saw everybody but Steve Yeah, we didn't see Steve. Yeah, Steve-O, you would think would be the best wrestler because the crazy stuff he does. Nah, but Steve doesn't have a good reputation in that locker room, so oh, that I did, <laughs> that I did not know. That I did not know. Well, if you remember the last time Steve was there and they punched him, he didn't sell any of it. Oh. Yeah, so remind you can me, go back and watch remind that. <laughs> me what, what, why they brought and when they brought Steve-O to the WWE last time. I think it was to promote another Jackass movie back then. Okay, wow. Yeah. So, so you pre- know, they do the thing where you know you get beat up, blah, 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 and Steve-O was like, yeah, okay, I'm back up. <laughs> this is so a fun this, match, guys. This actually exceeded my expectations. I didn't expect to see. But I locked my I ass why. off. Why are people so angry about this match? I've read so many people being... I think people sometimes forget what wrestling is. You know, it's supposed... I think that's the point of it was. It should be fun. That's what it was. We've had enough of the serious matches. It's time for something something there to be fun. Absolutely. And Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville gave us that. I thought it was really good. Yep. Very, very good match. Lots of... uh, Lots of hijinks. Uh, hijinks, lots of uh, um, foreign objects, fire extinguishers, trash cans, a bowling ball to the nuts. What about that yeah, giant how about hand? The, how about the highlight of the night now? What uh, was the, that uh, the be? Matt, I should say. Okay. We, ma- we man body slamming Sami Zayn. <laughs> That's <laughs> incredible. Those little guys have a low center of gravity, so I feel like they – they have strength in, 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 in areas where, I don't know, but I was very, very impressed by the, by, by the body <laughs> plan uh, that we men. And then um, it is equally impressive, Sami Zayn kicking we men right in the face. <laughs> and, dude, that was a shoot, brother. He kicked them right that in was, the face. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, Chris Pontius? Chris Pontius is the party boy, right? Yes. Yes. What about <laughs> Is he didn't really do too much in the ring other than just get in his stall. Oh, he did on he did enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we saw enough of the man thong for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um the giant hand was hysterical as I mentioned. And of course, what ended up um you know um 
being uh, the reason that Sammy lost was mouse traps. First, a table full of mouse traps, little mouse traps, and then Johnny and then pulls the out a giant size mouse trap, <laughs> and he cannot escape. And there you go, Johnny wins. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun match. And, All and right. Again, kudos to Sammy Zayn for putting that whole thing together. Absolutely. And wow. the producers, by the way. I know there are producers involved, but Sami Zayn had to be a willing participant. So. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, very fun match. All right. Edge versus AJ Styles. This is, as they call a clinic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, back and forth. Um, very technical match. Um, uh, very intense match. I mean, I mean, these are two of the best in the biz, guys, you know? Um, but how it ended? Edge got a victory thanks to a distraction by Damian Priest. And now we have a new um, alliance of sorts, yeah, right? A new what, alliance. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of that alliance? Pretty good. And who knows? I don't think that's the end of the alliance, man. I think we might get another new member joining. So it'll probably become a faction. I think so. Well, Maybe the, the Brood. I'd like to see the return of the Brood, personally. And yeah, the Brood 2.0? <laughs> yes! <laughs> The music is dope, you know. It's one of the, my favorite. Um, hey, if if I can put my Booker hat on for just one second, yeah. If you're gonna add another person to that group, okay, go ahead. Bray Wyatt. Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley. Ooh, she's oh, she me. I'm six foot seven, three hundred twenty pounds. So it's like, oh, you want a big Paul? You want to put yourself? Oh, in? You want in now? <laughs> Paul, you should wrestle, buddy. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. What, what, what are you? I'm six foot seven, three hundred twenty pounds. And you can't teach that. Wait, so how, yeah, how did you not get in the ring? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I did have some tryouts and stuff, but I mean, I just didn't really. The problem is, I have a mar- mixed martial arts background, so like, I've actually knocked people out by mistake. <laughs> oh, you don't want to do that to the wrestlers? I mean, so. I might eventually do it, but I mean, as I said, right now, I just haven't done it yet. Come on, man. You're you're talking Ken Shamrock came in and did it. Dan Severin came in and did it. Yeah. You're never you're never too old. Oh, to and by the way, do you see who the next person who wants to do it? Who who posted a tweet about why wasn't he at WrestleMania? You gotta tell me because I have no idea. Conor McGregor. Whoa, oh. dude, that's WrestleMania next year. Easily. Oh, definitely. If he put the tweet out like that, you know somebody had to oh, see it. Oh, I already know. It's going to be – night one will be Roman versus Rock. Night two will be Conor McGregor well, versus – I, I would have to start training again, but, I mean, I just haven't really – I haven't wrestled since high school, so. Okay. But Conor, I mean, Conor McGregor – You know what? WWE would love that because they don't want you to have any experience at all anyway, so. Yeah, it's just the, what what moves tickets and what what gets mainstream media attention. <laughs> so this match was a throwaway match, the New Day versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland. I was hoping. Hold, hold on, there's a story behind that. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so it's not a throwaway match. They were scheduled for night one, and the match got cut. Correct. Yes. Well, I think, and yeah, they were they were not happy about it. They, they you know tweeted some things and. Because once your match gets cut, you, you're pretty much done for the weekend. Right. But somehow they made it up and they squeezed in time in, in night two. But what? how much time did they get out? Like five minutes? Unfortunately, that's when I took my bathroom break. So I missed the match. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah I did. I wanted to make sure I was back for the main event. Yeah, you're a better man than me. Zelina Vega the other year. 
I don't know. But anyways, yeah, I mean, I would have liked to see the New Day take the win because, you know, Big E got severely injured and God willing, he's going to return. Uh, he can return from. Do you like uh, Big E's prognosis to, to return to the ring because he did not need to get surgery, Sean? Mm, I don't know, because it was the C1 that got damaged. And that was that's the bad one. You know, so you're if anything, he'll be like Edge when Edge got out. He's he gonna be out for at least a year, maybe more. Oh my God! All right, well, well, let's just go out the Big E. But I really wanted the New Day to win that one, but it ended up being a very, very super quick match. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and uh, yeah, Holland, uh, Rich Holland pinned uh, Xavier Woods. Um, um, but I would have liked to have seen Butch. Um, again. Lame name, Pete Dunn. They should have kept Pete Dunn. He's his, that's his identity, you know, from NXT. But yeah, I don't know why they decided. To they change everybody's identity, even if they work there. Look I at Walter. It. Walter's now Gunther. <laughs> well, it's one name for one name, but I prefer the first. I prefer first and last names because if you go, look at any other major sports, everybody's using first and last names. It's not like you're at the Grammys where you can go by like one name, like Madonna or. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like I don't know. I personally think everyone should use first and last name. I don't. Know. That's right. just me. Do you, do you um, think Brock is going to get his name changed when he comes back to when he goes to the main roster? Do you think they're going to use him as a Steiner? Or do you think they're just going to keep him as Braun Breaker? I don't think they change it to Steiner because there's more money in Steiner than there is Braun Breaker. Yeah, Braun Steiner. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I should cut a check to John Harbaugh for cutting it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on the card. Pat McAfee versus Austin Fury. We actually got two matches uh, during this time period. Um, Pat McAfee, wow, the superplex was out of this world. Um, Pat really proved his uh, his abilities as an in-ring performer, guys. And uh, well, man, like I said, and, not the first time we've seen him. You know, he yes. did war games a couple years ago. That's right. Um, but but uh, he, he, had he looked his... like he had a lot of fun in there, you know. Absolutely. And I think it really started with the Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes and got really uh, the crowd hyped up. Which... He even punted a football into the crowd. He had the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Oh, my God. They're, they're he so even open. thanked Jack White because, you know, they had to pay for that song. Oh, I bet they did, man. Yeah, every time. They... Yeah, they did. <laughs> so same with uh, any major sports. If they play it, same with them, huh? They got to pay for each time as well, I guess. Uh, but yeah, a great match. We saw Pat McAfee um, take the win, rolled up Theory. Uh, but then after the match, which was an okay match, I mean, actually, it was a good match. It really just proved uh, the the technical ability of um, of both both men. Uh, but then we saw Pat McAfee versus Vince McMahon. Did either of you expect that match to happen? That was crazy. No. And the thing about Vince McMahon, dude, it's like, dude's like almost 80, I believe. And uh, for his age, he looked in, you know, awesome shape, you know, for his age. I think he stopped taking the crazy enhancements because uh, his guns didn't look as big. But <laughs> maybe the wellness par- policy now uh, applies to the boss but, <laughs> yeah. but um yeah i mean we saw um this mcmahon uh 
actually defeat uh, Pat McAfee in that match. So, um, but a lot of it had to do with Steve Austin's music. When that glass hit, Stone Cold had everybody at their feet, and uh, you know, Stone Cold gave stunners to Austin Theory, to Vince, even Pat McAfee. And I know that uh, um, one of the funniest moments uh, was right after Pat McAfee got stunned but by you know, Stone Cold. Finishing move be the super kick. I mean, it's like it's like handmade for Pat McAfee. Am I right? I I think his kicks are awesome because, God damn it, he was a punter, wasn't he? So yeah, when he, that's, I'm saying that that's yes, like his. Like, yeah, but but. But yeah, but like, like, did you see the camera point to Pat McAfee after he was stunned by Austin, and he was he was kind of out of it, but still kind yeah. of chugging beer at the same time. How funny was that? I was just so <laughs> it was just hysterical. Like, uh, it was great. All right, now we get to the main event, guys. I mean, first of all, we got Austin for two fucking nights. So yeah, if, you, if you love. Uh, Stone Cold, you would have loved this WrestleMania because, man. Um, With the worst Stone Cold stunner in history. Yeah, so the one on the one on Vince. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know what's what's cool about that? The first stunner on Vince was equally as bad, so the last one had to be just as worse. <laughs> yeah, that was really really bad. Well, you know, he's he's almost eighty. What are you gonna do? Oh, um, I, <laughs> I think he might already be eighty, but um. No, he's like 76. 76? Okay. Well, she, yeah, she's, she's getting there. He's up there. Um, uh, will we see Steve Austin in a match again? What do you think? No. No. Actually, no. No, I'll take that back. Because the kingdom of Saudi Arabia has oh, a lot of money. Oh, oh boy. And and they love to spend it, so they make Austin an offer even he can't refuse. Wow, that's why Shawn Michaels uh, did his recent match too. So, okay, that makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> All right, the main event, guys: uh, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, winner take all uh, for a uh, what do they call it? The Unified Championship, Shawn? Yeah, that's what they're calling. It. The Unified WWE again. Universal Championship again. Um, very good match. I mean, I wasn't match of the night, but uh, um, lots of uh, F5s that uh, Roman kicked out of. Um, and really awesome belly-to-belly suplexes and German suplexes. And uh, uh, Lesnar had the low blow while the referee was knocked out. Um and then, of course, he was hit in the head with a title belt. Countered Rain Spear into a Kimura lock, but apparently um, was able to break out of that. And then Reigns hit the spear on Lesnar, pinned him for the win. Mm-hmm. Your new undisputed champion is Roman Reigns. As it should be. I was a little surprised. Um, you usually, thought Brock was winning? Well, the thing is, like, you... As Brock being the face, you usually want to keep your fans happy. Well, well, see, the thing is, I thought they were going to change it because, I mean, Roman got hurt in the match. He legitimately got hurt. And I thought if Roman was going to miss time, you have to give it to Brock, right? 
No, yeah. because Brock set the precedent that the championship doesn't have to be defended. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't even think about that. Remember, remember when Brock was champion, he went away for like four months. My yeah. prediction was really that Lesnar would win, or if Roman won, we would see the return of The Rock to keep fan, to make fans happy. And uh, But that's why Roman won, because he ain't losing until he faces The Rock yeah. next year. Okay. And do you think, will he surpass um, three, I think there's three champions that have held the belt longer than Roman? Do you know I mean, who they are? Uh, yeah. Pedro Bruno. Right. Yeah, right now Hogan he's he's Hogan had it for um he, he won it when he won it. He won it in eighty four. Okay. Yeah, he won it in eighty four and then lost it in February of eighty eight. So he had it for four years straight. Oh wow. Roman, that doesn't really that doesn't really happen in modern wrestling. I don't know if Roman will, will get to that point, but Oh, he know. might get that. So he's had it. He's had it for uh, over two years now, correct? Yeah, this is second WrestleMania, and he's, right. he's still hasn't lost. So yeah, right, right. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see where that's going. But uh, you, want, you want an early bull prediction? Go ahead. If he faces The Rock, he's going to beat him too. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, at that point, yeah. Um, the Rock doesn't need to win. He's already over no matter what he does, right? Um, but yeah, that's really all I have for WrestleMania. I mean, we did talk a little bit about Raw already. Well, how Cody yeah, Rhodes... What do you think about those titles being unified? I don't know if I like that idea. Do you? Because when you have two separate shows, I, I like it being unified for like WrestleMania. Think, well, for WrestleMania you, purposes only. Right. Uh, SmackDown is going to probably address that uh, this Friday. I think Roman said that during his promo on raw that I'll make my decision on Friday. So he might say something like, Oh yeah, my, my, my goal was just to beat Brock, but I'm still universal champion. And I want this championship because it's the one I've had the longest. And then they'll maybe do a tournament. I don't know, Sean, how do you want them to address this uh, unification? I honestly hope he holds both of them. Really? I I think, because listen, I I grew up on one champion. Yep. You know, if he's if he's gonna be the guy, then he's the guy. And I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people have won the world title when they shouldn't have. Because so we got to better like if you had like a Raw champion, a SmackDown champion face every year for like WrestleMania, kind of like a Super Bowl type of thing, and then like the winner. Well, wins. Survivor Series. I would say yes. I would say Not yes, that. but the only problem with it is you have the Royal Rumble. And the Royal Rumble winner is supposed to be happy. So yeah. you can't get rid of the Royal Rumble winner doing it. That would take away the, the whole point of it, right? Yes. Of the Rumble if they did something like that. So I, I think I the Survivor Series, they'll do it. But, you know, it really is just SmackDown versus Raw. There's no unification at stake. Which that um, shouldn't happen either. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know about that being the case every WWE year. WWE dropped the ball when they bought WCW and then keep WCW as its own thing and then have like a Super Bowl type of thing when w, WCW broke. <laughs> now you're, like cl- you're clearly thing. dreaming now, buddy. But that wouldn't yeah. work perfectly, and they just ruined the whole thing. Well, did. that was the plan, but you got to remember those contracts 
They yeah. weren't paying those time one or Right. No. Um, all right. Well, I think it's time to wrap up this show. I mean, we already talked a little bit about Raw. We saw Cody Rhodes opening promo about why he is back at WWE. Didn't mention AEW by name. Um, but, you know, and why he really left. But he said he vowed to win a world championship in WWE, something that Dusty Rose, the American Dream, was not able to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, yeah, we mentioned the Roman Reigns and an in-ring promo uh, about what's going to happen to the unif- unification of both titles. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't mention the return of a certain alliance. Um, that was kind of interesting <laughs> to see, right? Well, that was weird. I, I, I didn't get that. Yeah, returning. Wait, and... wait, 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 Al. Al, yeah. that, was, that was not alliance. That was Ezekiel, his younger brother. That was Ezekiel, his, his younger the, brother. His younger brother, clean-shaven, um, you know, the non-rock-and-roll guy. Uh, <laughs> so it was cool to see that. I mean, i uh, curious to see more of what Ezekiel's gimmick will be. We, it's pretty much uh, not really determined yet exactly what, what no. he's doing. But we'll just have to wait and see. And we finally saw the debut of Veer Mahan, guys. Are you excited? <laughs> this. this is the same Veer that was on. Um, it's the uh, same guy that was with uh, Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal and Shanky, right? Yep. Yes. So why are they making it like he's never wrestled for Raw before? <laughs> right? No. Yeah, he's been debuting for like five months now. I don't know. I Whenever mean, the draft. Whenever the draft was, that's when he got drafted, when it got split up, and he never appeared until Monday. Okay. All right. Pretty crazy, but hey, Veer's back, man. So, uh, all right, guys, that's <laughs> wrestling. And we we'll, we'll always close out the show with rest in peace shout-outs. Estelle Harris, the actress best known for playing George Costanza's mother on Seinfeld. Sally had passed away at the age of 93. Sopranos actor Paul Herman, known for his portrayal of Beanies, the uh, from the Sopranos, um, cause of death not not disclosed. Um, Bobby Rydell, pop singer, uh, known for Hugo Peabody in Bye Bye Birdie, had sadly passed away at the age of seventy nine. June Brown, best known as Dot Cotton on Britain's long running Easterners, had passed away at the age of ninety five. Namaya Persoff appeared as Barbara Streisand's rabbi father in Yentl. And some like it hot and twins had died at the age of 102. Um, so he had a quite yeah, long life. People had long lives, didn't they? Yes, absolutely. And of course, with death, we celebrate life with birthdays. Lando Calrissian, Billy D. Williams, is 85 today. Happy birthday, Billy. You need to break open a Colt 45 to celebrate his birthday. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Director Barry Levinson. That's the nastiest stuff in history. It is not very good beer. Barry Levinson is 80. John Ratzenberg from Cheers is 75. Mary Lou Henner from Taxi is 70. Michael Rooker from Guardians of the Galaxy and Merle from Walking Dead is 67. Um, Black Francis of the Pixies, one of my favorite bands, is 57. Paul Rudd is 53 and doesn't look a day over 40. Uh, Jason Herbie from The Wonder Years is 50. Zach Braff from Scrubs is 47. Joel Garland from Orange and the Black is 47. Candace Cameron Bure from Full House is 46. Teddy Sears from from 24 Legacy and The Flash is 45. 
And actor Charlie McDermott from The Middle is 32. That's birthdays today. Wow. Well, we'd like to thank, uh, wow, um, our panel, um, <laughs> of course, uh, Darth Paul Wallace, uh, the Sith Lord, six foot seven, and you can't teach that. We'd like to thank, of course, Mr. Wrestling himself, uh, a BTB OG, Chunk Shady, Sean Cradle. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Thank you. For, Coming to Yes, yes, very, very true. And thank you for putting up with all those crazy technical difficulties. We still got the show. Um, yeah, we still had an amazing show, guys. And thanks so much to our special celebrity guest, Teo Olson, who plays Sebastian. Make sure you check out The Walking Dead season finale if you haven't seen it. Of course, check out part three of the final season of The Walking Dead coming this fall. All right, guys, on behalf of everybody on the panel, we'll see you guys next week. Until then, peace. May the force be with you. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.